Okay. All right. <laughs> is it a good love dare? Yeah, it's a good love dare. I'm just really glad because just since I just read it now, I was worried it would be something in the day that I would have had to have done, like the last one. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I would have to rush it through. I guess do you just do we just want to do the love dare? Shit, let's let's do it. I guess we're, we're recording now. We're diving in. We're going deep. Popping Getting over your well, head. Um, for, for those who listen to the podcast, uh, they know that you know Jared and I have have a pretty rocky relationship. Um, <laughs> as discussed prior. <laughs> as, as discussed, yeah. And we're kind of just working through uh, that shit. So we're going through the Christian uh, marriage counseling book, The Love Dare, as seen in the Christian film Fireproof, which if you're listening to the God's Not Dead episode, I assume you've probably seen before. Um, <laughs> we are on day <laughs> day five. Uh, it starts off with Proverbs twenty-seven fourteen. Uh, he who blesses his friend with a loud voice early in the morning, it will be reckoned a curse to him. I don't know what the fuck that has to do with the dare. But today's dare. I'm going to leave you a voicemail yelling at you as soon as I get up tomorrow. Today's dare. Ask your, uh, ask your co-host to tell you three things that cause him or her to be uncomfortable or irritated with you. You must do so without attacking them or justifying your behavior. This is from their perspective only. So, Jared, what are three things that I do that make you uncomfortable or irritated? Uh, Let's see. One, forcing me to face the uncomfortable reality of how I mean I was as a kid. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We, we were before we started recording. Really? We were uh, we were talking about uh, how mean we were to each other uh, as kids in middle school. So let's see. Um, what else do you do that just really pisses me off? So this should be a good opportunity for me. But don't attack him. Right, but I can't attack you, which really limits me. Well, I mean, you can attack me. I just can't oh. attack. Oh, 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 that's oh, so much okay. easier. I'm the one doing okay. the dare. All right, so so you you prepping with the earlier conversation makes a lot of sense now. Hmm. hmm. Yeah. So now I'll feel guilty when I'm mean. Manipulative. No, no. He's manipulative. No. That's there, there. That's another thing that just pisses me off when you <laughs> manipulate me. <laughs> gaslighting. You're gaslighting me. He claimed not um, to have the book, but he knew all along. That, how you many, son of how a many, bitch. How many are we in? We're, we're two. two in. That was two. Uncomfortable what? realities and gaslighting. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good Midwest emo song title. <laughs> Let's see. What else? Uh, you don't clean your kitchen. You don't very good. Do a very good job of cleaning your kitchen or your car. Um, whenever, uh, whenever sorry, I came over idea. over New Year's, I would always clean your kitchen because it was oh. really gross. Oh shit. Yeah. I didn't know that about that. That pisses me off. <laughs> well, wait. One well, sec, like my roommate's here. Am I am I bad at cleaning the kitchen? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll all work on that one. Uh, you're bad at cleaning. Oh. Oh, well, we don't have to attack me here on my own show. You're not even a guest. <laughs> Can I attack you for your lack of cleanliness? <laughs> Fine, if you want to. I mean, that's... Feel it. That time I rode in your car on the way to when we drove around to Western Wayne's, like there's so much trash in that front seat. Was, okay. I mean, it was quite a bit. I'm gonna say it's it's. I'm really struggling right now to uh, deal with this without justifying my behavior. Uh, I don't know what to tell you, man. 
I'm not judging. I'm just saying, like, it was a I'm lot. I'm judging a little bit. It was a lot. <sighs> well, that's that's good. Um, today, we're, we're recording a late night podcast today. Uh, this is the latest we've recorded, I think, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, we're starting at 10, so this is going to be great. My roommates are going to love it. It's how loud I am. So, uh, I don't know. Do you want to just, should we just start? Should we just start? I don't know. Your podcast. Welcome Derek. to Very Legal, Very Cool, a podcast where we answer the question, is Nate more of a length guy or a girth guy? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Listen to the end of the music, you'll actually hear the answer to that question. <laughs> there we go. Oh, man. So while we're right, paused well, Nate, here, welcome to the show. Yeah. Thank you. I'm so well, happy to be really here. really glad to have you. Good, good. So, say I'm a you know, listener. That's and that's a that's like a first for us. We we don't actually I get a so. lot of people who who have listened to our show, who like talking to us, who know anything about what's going on, or you know, consented to being recorded. So this is yeah. a this is a this is a good thing for us. I've got three of the four. Do I know what's going on? Hard to say. <laughs> But I've consented. I listen. Hey. I like talking to you guys. This we'll is this it. is also. We'll uh, I think this is uh, Nate's. This is technically Nate's second time being on the show. Yes. Yeah. And that's that's worth bringing up here. I made it on um, the second episode for trying to bully <laughs> Josiah into hanging out with me. Because <laughs> I actually didn't believe that he was recording a podcast, and I was under the <laughs> under the influence of things and so they were like you should call him and i was like okay and they're like tell him you'll quit the band if he he doesn't come hang out and i was like all right and i didn't know i was being recorded so i go listen to the second episode and there i am so like we pod. were saying about our previous guests <laughs> yeah so uh so nate is a nate is a friend of mine from the uh the des moines kind of music world uh he is actually uh uh, fellow bandmate of mine in a in a hardcore punk kind of band thing we're in, so that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. I yeah. do have to say, not to get too sincere, but Josiah is I always appreciated. I went to a show because I just was making a point to go to more shows around the area. And I just went by myself and it was to see a band called Vitamin K and a couple other bands. And I was there by myself just chilling. And Josiah had met me only one time before and came up and like hung out and introduced me to people and stuff like that. And I always thought that was super sweet. And cool of you to Aww. do so before we get into the trash that. talking and stuff i just want to throw that out there i thought that was really cool so oh thanks yeah having people compliment us on the show this yeah. is weird you can edit that out if you of. need to <laughs> we're gonna need to it's not good for our brand I'm sorry <laughs> all right guys well uh well what are you guys drinking today let's do that real quick i'm drinking i uh God's favorite beer, a Des Moines IPA, courtesy of Confluence Brewing Company. Wow, nice, nice. Jared, what do you have? Thinking? A uh, I have a glass of red wine, uh, a Merlot. <laughs> That's the wizard, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I'm drinking today uh, a glass of water. Um, and then we started recording five minutes after I stepped in uh, side because I was running late. So I had to just grab whatever was in my fridge. So uh, I have grabbed what is uh, a bottle of Crown Royal Apple uh, that does not actually belong to me. And it will piss off one of my roommates, ideally. Nice. Nice. Yeah. 
As long as he doesn't listen to the podcast, though, you're set. So just keep him away from this episode. Yeah. There we go. There we go. Yeah, don't listen to this one. <laughs> Specifically. <laughs> oh, man. So, Nate, we uh <laughs> talking to Josiah, and we, we hear you have a music degree. Uh, no question. Um, just <laughs> a music degree. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> This leads um, into uh, this leads into our second question. Uh, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> well, I got tricked into thinking you could just get a degree for anything and get a job. So when I dropped education, I was like, oh, I'll keep going with this music stuff. And so I have a, a history degree and a music degree. And I don't know, it's kind of hard to find jobs with those a little bit. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I, I believe that. But I can... Tell all my friends how great Radiohead is because I know more about music than them. So, That's honestly, true. worth it. Definitely <laughs> worth it. Worth all the student loans I'll be paying maybe forever. So, no question. Well, so you know, you have a music degree. So, would you consider the Newsboys to be an inspiration? <laughs> now or like when I was like ten? Sure. When I was <laughs> when I was ten, yes. Now, any present Newsboys music, I would say no. Although I did go through a period after listening to Good Christian Fun, where I went back and listened to them, and Take Me to Your Leader is a very good album. Still, go, mm. going public, man. Yeah. Going public's a good album. Yeah, I'll, I'll still shine. It. Make them wonder what you got. I was oh, just yeah. gonna say, <laughs> if there's if that there's whole a cr- breakfast song they had, that's tough. That's a tough one. <laughs> I don't know. I like that one. <laughs> if there's a Christian band that is like, I wanted to be forever, it's definitely Reliant K or Switchfoot. Oh, uh, yeah. Like when I was in junior yeah. high. That, they're like the first albums I consider. Like Actually, Switchfoot's not a Christian band. It's just got <laughs> Christian members in it. Yeah, that's true. They're awesome. I, they, I've been listening to... I don't know. Don't get me too started on the music stuff, as this whole yeah, thing is yeah. a parody of. But they're nothing as sound album if you're into, you know, social mm-hmm. justice and things being right in the world is actually incredibly poignant for the time that we're in right now. I would say so. Yeah, mm-hmm. I w- it was. It was actually. Yeah, you forced me to re-listen to that album, and I was like, oh man, this actually holds up like pretty well. Yeah, shockingly. Well. Yeah. Uh, this leads to our uh, next question: uh, Is God dead? Too? No. <laughs> no. No. Would you would you venture to say that he is surely alive? <laughs> I'd have to posit that he's surely alive. Yes. Huh. <laughs> Did you not watch the movie? Cuz they say so, <laughs> so because you believe God's not dead, uh you know, I, that means you're a Christian, but I have certainly heard you say like uh fucking shit in hell already. <laughs> so uh, what do you say about that? Uh, I would say <laughs> I, I shouldn't call myself a bad Christian, but uh, I would say it's probably chill if you let some swears out or have some drinks and it's oh, fine. Good. It's fine. Like, he's one of the cool ones. Yeah. He's like he's like wearing sunglasses. He's like the leather cool jacket. Likely owns yeah. a motorcycle. Yeah, I'm oh, your yeah. hip Christian friend that everyone's like, oh, mm-hmm. like 
Oh, most Christians are stuffy, but not Nate. Nate's the cool. <laughs> Potentially got a tattoo of the cross on the back of your neck. Yeah, Nate is the is the bright colored woman at the end of God's Not Dead too in the With jury. With varying lipstick at every time they I see you. I thought she oh, wasn't a Christian, man. but she was. I could have. How could you be a Christian with dyed hair and a tattoo? That's ridiculous. It just doesn't work. But some people, some very broken and bad people who are very broken and very bad can still be okay sometimes as long as we're aware that they are caricatures of broken and bad. As long as they have a tattoo signifying, no, I'm good now, not before, right right now. That's what I'm going to do. As long as they use relics of their past to signal how they've changed. Just I picture in the tattoo parlor, just one, one last tattoo. That's it. <laughs> then I'll be on the straight and narrow. I'm going to shoot up one last time, but this time for Jesus. <laughs> That's actually something I would probably say if I did shoot up. Like, all right, this is it. But <laughs> this one's going out to my to my man. I've never... <laughs> I promise I'll be perfect after this. Oh, so, how fuck. many times have you played God's Not Dead on stage? Quite a bit in college. I couldn't give you a number. Uh, like I went to college from 2011 to 2015, and not only did I play it just at like the church services that we did, but I played it like with a band when we needed like higher energy songs. We were kind of a Christian band, but not kind of like the Switchfoot thing. So if we needed to have a longer set because we only had like five originals, we would like throw in like high energy, quote unquote, worship songs, and that was one of the ones that we would do. Actually, the crowd loves those. Really funny story having to do with the song. I we played this like thing for I think it was InterVarsity or something like that, and they were having a conference. And they're like, "You guys are gonna be the last band. It's gonna be a big thing. We want you to be energetic, like jump up and down, like do what you do with the regular band." We're like, "Oh, okay, sweet." Well, like whoever organized the conference like either made an optional thing or didn't tell anyone because they told us like the chapel we were playing at was gonna be packed, and it was not. <laughs> there were like <laughs> there were seriously like ten people. And we're like, whatever, we're still going to go out there, have fun, and jump around. And they were not into what we were doing at all. But God, <laughs> God's Not Dead is the last song we did. And I like stood up on like the sub that we had. And I'd been practicing jumping down on it when it got into the last chorus. But like the pastor had moved all our stuff, and I didn't pay attention to it. And so when I jumped, I jumped straight into the microphone of our lead singer. And like knocked everything <laughs> over. So <laughs> straight up the most embarrassing thing I've ever done on stage. Because the 10 people who already hated us were like, what are they doing right now? <laughs> it was tough. I've played it over That's 30 incredible. times on stage, though, I'd say. so. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> You've got me well, beat, uh, so yeah, I have a lot of people yeah. I don't. Beat. I I actually don't think I have ever played that one on stage because I, I did do some worship bandy stuff. Um, end of high school, I guess was like the last time I ever did that. We'll but get we'll get I, into it, but its first appearance was on like a passion album, which is like the Christian college conference that yeah yeah they yeah. do. And so like that, it was out in like 2011. So it, like for college students at the time, it was like really big. Well, so yeah, I, I remember that because actually I was at a Bible camp and I'm a little younger than you um, in like early high school when the song was like first like being a thing. And that would have been like, yeah, 2011, I think. I remember I remember hearing that song. Yeah. Anyway, um, it, it should be probably formally say uh, today's episode is going to be about God's Not Dead 2. 
Now you might be wondering why we've decided to do God's Not Dead 2 since you haven't done we haven't done an episode for God's Not Dead 1. Uh, the reason for that is uh, I feel like um, doing God's Not Dead 1 is beating a dead horse. There are a lot of podcasts that have talked about God's Not Dead 1. Uh, well, there's a really good episode from Shitty Christians about that, our, our good friends. But we've been on this kick about fundamentalism and we talked about creationism and it felt really appropriate to do the God's Not Dead movie about the school system. Um, and so that's what we're going to be diving the into today. The evil school system. The evil school system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is out to, which including the ACLU is out to get you. Oh God. Oh yes. Yeah. They hate freedom. And God. <laughs> yeah. Very explicitly they say that. <laughs> <laughs> We are going to prove that God is dead. Yes. That's <laughs> my favorite off. scene. That's my favorite scene is when uh, Kane, the like ACLU like lawyer, like looks them dead in the eye and he's like, we're going to kill God. Yeah. <laughs> is that the one in the parents' house or whatever? And they're yes. like, yeah. even, oh, even yes. they're kind of looking like, around get in, like, bitches, we're going to kill God. They're kind of looking around like, oh, I just kind of want my daughter to get into Stanford. I, we don't need to go. <laughs> We don't need to go do this. You, you seem like you're clearly working through some stuff, man. This, I don't know. This goes into like the bad acting and pacing and just everything of the scene. But the scene where like it, which in like many like law movies happens, where he's getting his shoe, like shoes shined by the guy, and they decide oh, to yeah. like meet up and have the lawyer confrontation outside the courtroom, and he goes instantly in the chat from like just being this relaxed guy to like I'm gonna kill God and you're gonna like it. <laughs> just. <laughs> Out of nowhere, it wasn't even. Oh God! And it's the only way I can come. He's he's just like I hate hate your client and I hate their God. Like so stupid. Jesus. Well, before we get any further uh, into the movie, God, God. I was just gonna say a little, a little, a little warning here for people who've not yet seen God's Not Dead Two, but still really want to see God's (laughs) Not Dead Two. There's gonna be some spoilers up ahead. We are gonna talk through the the whole movie, and if if you haven't seen it, you should pause right now. Uh, you Shit. can rent God's Not Dead 2 on Amazon Prime, or you can go to, as I assume you have, a Pure Flix subscription and watch it there. Just um, I already but we will be we will be spoiling it. Um, God is, I, in fact, dead, we find at the end. It's a twist, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, but really bold move on the behalf of Pure Flix to kill God at the end of the movie. I, didn't I see do that like their new there. edgy direction, though. They've got balls. It's weird atheist pure flicks. Uh, before we, I think, get too deep into the movie, I guess let's talk about uh, our, our evangelical cred. I feel like we should probably like show why why we we can talk about this. Yeah, you know why we're not appropriating evangelical <laughs> culture evangelical by talking culture. about this. Many yeah. pe- many people are saying that I did not grow up evangelical, and I just have to say that's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> My grandparents were evangelical. <laughs> it's it's fine. I'm actually one eighth evangelical, but it's on the side that counts. So it, you know, it... just yeah, Nate. Tell, tell yeah, tell us about your evangelical about my about my faith journey. Yeah, sure. Can you I'd give probably, us your testimony? I could. I'm probably the least removed from it. Uh, at, as that from you guys from what i can tell um i mean i grew up oh yeah because we're dirty sinners <laughs> no, I just, you haven't attended an evangelical church in the last six months i'd imagine well a year uh, i guess with uh, yeah. coronavirus yeah. 
Nikki um, here. Um, um. Well? No, yeah. Well, um, I guess okay. I guess I, I sat through the live stream of an Easter service. Yeah, yeah, that, whatever. I mean, like, I, I, gone more than two times in a month. Oh, yeah. How about no. that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I grew up evangelical, as, like, so many people on a podcast have nowadays. I actually, the weird thing for me is I had an incredibly positive experience out of all of it, which I know is not the case for a lot of people, but, like, um, a lot of the things that people complain about the church not doing uh, my church did which was really cool and then in college i went and just didn't like care about any of it so my like deconstruction if you will you probably know what that is if you've made it this far didn't take place until even like a couple of years after college because i played in a touring christian band and i loved it and so but that was the first thing that started to open some questions to me about like this kind of seems like it sucks um, I, there are always things I would, the thing about it for me is I always say is the whole time it was, I was, I was like, this is fine. And like, this is right. And I believe this, but there was always something that I was like, but some of this is just really cheesy, but I must be the wrong one. Oh God. Like, I feel that so yeah, hard. Like, like I must be, the, I must be the one and I need to like, I need to figure it out. And eventually I will, like I yeah. eventually I'll like Oof. marry the girl from church yeah. and like all that stuff because I didn't have, some people are like, this crappy thing happened to me because of my youth pastor when I was 14 and that's when I knew I was done. And I like, none of that happened. Um, like yeah. to me it, uh, up until I was like 23, 24, I'm 27 now for reference. So it's been like a three, four year journey taking all of this apart and reconciling yeah. the, my experience. That was so great with the bad experiences other people have. And also like recent research I've done since basically quarantine started about like, how evangelicalism actually started and the bad people who founded it. And like, mm -hmm. yeah, that's my journey with it to keep it short enough for right now. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that testimony. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I feel Josiah? so inspired. I, I liked the part where you used to do Coke, but now you found Jesus. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> Look, and thanks for getting up in front of the entire church and telling everyone. <laughs> Look, did I play church services hungover in college? Many a time. Okay. That's just didn't, <laughs> didn't need to delve into that. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Mine, I mean, I was, I would say I lost my faith at uh, age 19. <laughs> And then, <laughs> proud of you. Sick. Um, Amen. Yeah. And then now <laughs> I feel like uh, I feel like I've come back in the last few years, but with uh, a deep bitterness for evangelicalism. Uh, without getting too sincere for this irony poisoned podcast, I'd I'd just point to the fact that it's now uh, it's now been brought up a few times on this podcast that I'm divorced and I'm 23 years old. Uh, so that should give you a good glimpse into uh, the ways that I followed the evangelical path and the ways in which the evangelical path uh, just kind of destroyed me. So that's but just good. think of it this way. Technically, now like... you're already going to hell, so you can do whatever you want. <laughs> See, I, I hadn't thought of it that way. So technically, you're just like you actually followed it, like because isn't there some statistic about like young like evangelicals getting married and divorced? Before? Yeah, actually, yeah. 
Yeah, but also leaving the church, too. That's So, yeah, I am a statistic <laughs> in a lot of ways. <laughs> like, I think you're so cool. <laughs> I, I'm a bit of, for evangelicalism, I'm a statistic, but not a huge statistic. Yeah. I'm like a 30% or something, rather than like the mm. mainline church, which is like, they can't keep a single kid in their pew, uh, which is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, but they've got all our age coming back, so who cares? That is true. Like, that is true. The, the broken but to evangelicals be fair, Josiah, are you're also part of that statistic. Damn it! Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I'm just floating in between. You gotta be cool like me. Someday, someday, I, Josiah and I will like try to start a hip new youth group at like an evangel or an Episcopalian church sometime. I think <laughs> that would be really incredible. I I would send my kids to that to that youth group. Yeah. <laughs> be a good time. That's like 15 years down the road, but it, it's just yeah, it's just a lot. That gives of, like, me plenty at, of time to have kids. Kids yeah. asking moral questions, and we'll always be like, "Yeah, I mean, you can drink, just don't do it too yeah. much." Listen to me. <laughs> it's, like a, it's a lot of that. Listen to me without you; they'll tell you all the answers. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, "Man, I'm just confused by the lyrics," and I'm like, "Yeah, that's religion, man." Well, yeah, but how would you like to be confused and sad? <laughs> Check out my album. <laughs> I literally Thank finished for- a song today and was like, this isn't sad enough. <laughs> like, how gross is that of me? Oh, <laughs> uh, I relate to that. Oh, uh, fuck. All right, Jared. Uh, yeah. Oh, shit. Well, um, so I, uh, I guess I officially left the church when I was 22. Uh, two years ago. Uh, for reference, I'm 24 now. Um, so I, my, my father was a pastor at not just an evangelical church, but an offshoot of the Mormon church. And so that's its own thing. But uh, I, I basically kind of ignored it in college, but felt really guilty about it because my, my girlfriend in college was very, very religious. Um, sporadically went to church, but also drank heavily and uh, was not a good Christian. Um, then I decided after college, after I graduated, that I was going to get serious and I was going to be a good Christian. And I was going to go back to church and get involved for myself because I believed that that was a good thing to do. And I did it with full sincerity and I hated it. It was terrible. I didn't like the people. They were, it was cheesy. It was just like everything felt so fake. And I was like, you know what? Fuck this. And now I'm some sort of spiritual something. So there we go. Can, yeah, it's good. Can I say one thing about the drinking thing that, like, like you said really quick? One of the things mm-hmm. that first made me be like, maybe, like, maybe, like, some of this stuff that I was taught, like, is all wrong is because, like, when I'd go to, when I was in youth group, like, people go to college and obviously they went and started drinking, like, because mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. kind of what you do. And people at church, yeah. I'd be like, oh, I can't believe it. Like, we've lost another one. And then when I went to college, like, people would be drinking and stuff. And then like, like specifically I ran cross country. So I was on the cross country team. So you instantly have like Mm -hmm. 50 friends and the person who like got made sure everyone got up for church was leading the Bible study and all that stuff drank like every weekend. And I was like, well, this is, this guy's fine. Like who, like this isn't, this isn't all bad. Who cares about this stuff? And along many things, yeah, that was one of the first things where I was like, well, this guy's a good guy and he drinks like maybe like some of this stuff isn't all bad. And then, Obviously. Nate, that's just how Satan works. <laughs> that's that's how a lot of college does work, though. It's like, you know, if you raised evangelical and sheltered enough, your first experience with, frankly, the real world starts happening, like, in college, mm-hmm. and then you, like, are... Like, I don't know, I met a gay guy, and he seemed fine. Uh, you know, like... 
I don't know. He and that, did that, not I, immediately try and fuck me, and I don't understand. I'm a little offended, <laughs> but also well, confused. This is this is you said another like that like that's how they get you like everything that evangelicalism tells you about. If you start doing this, you'll do all these things, and then like you'll uh, like it's a lose slippery it. slope. Right. I did all those things, and I'm basically exactly where they said. Even though I think I'm a way better person now and have like a stronger faith than ever. But that's how, like I can mm-hmm. see how anyone yeah. else who is like, oh, I'm starting to doubt this. They would like see them. They'd be like, oh, I've gone down these two slopes and now I'm about to be lost. So I'm going to jump right back in without questioning it, which my brain sure. just never stops. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you guys do you guys any of you have experience with pure flicks before these movies? Um, did you like were you raised in like around pure flicks? I don't think so. Not really, no. I wasn't either. And that's, I think it's because, I think God's Not Dead is a really jarring franchise for us three specifically. Because I think all all three of us were going through some form of at least change in our perception of evangelicalism by the time this was coming out. Yeah. Because the first first God's Not Dead movie came out in 2014. Yep. Um, And uh, the second one we're watching tonight came out in 2016. Um, On April 1st. What a stupid, yeah, I saw that. What a stupid day to put out a Who movie called that? God's Not Dead. Are you are you dumb? <laughs> God's Not Dead. Psych. Gotcha. <laughs> Turns out is, is that the and we episode him. name? God's Not is Dead. That the, guys, guys, Psych. real quick, real quick sidebar. I would like it to be noted that uh, the Spooky Reagan guy, my Twitter account, is now at sixty nine followers. Nice. Um, just. To have a moment there, but uh, go on. That's beautiful. Yeah, I uh, so I was I, I remember when the second one came out. I didn't watch it until this episode, mm-hmm. um, but I remember when it was coming out because I worked at Target at the time, and I had this coworker who I went through orientation together with, and so it's just the two of us in orientation. So we become like he thinks we're friends, even though we're not really friends because you know we started the job at the same time. Right. Mm. Um, and he was just this raging evangelical. <laughs> and I mean, like, I mean, like he got in trouble frequently because he would try to proselyte proselytize to customers <laughs> while he was checking out their groceries. <laughs> like, and then would get like, Oh, they're oppressing me. Right. Because, <laughs> because they're like, dude, you can't do that. I had a coworker do that to me on a business trip. Oh, yes. and it was like him and I at a hotel all night. <laughs> <laughs> i'd be so mad so he was super into these movies and so then he was telling me like do you know do you hear there's a new god's not dead movie coming out and i was like man you have not learned anything about me if you think that i'm excited about that <laughs> but he's like oh man uh have you heard about this movie i'm like yeah i guess he's like man it's crazy because it's about this teacher and and she just said jesus and then the aclu freaks out at her and she didn't even do anything wrong and he was like freaking out and hyperventilating at the thing and i i remember just going like dude you know it's a movie right like it didn't actually happen but that that's actually it's based on real court cases that did actually happen so technically it is kind of real right It's, it's really burned in my head because it was like interacting with what I realized was the target audience of these movies who do not realize how much it is purely propaganda. Right. Oh yeah. Like he he genuinely was like, it seemed like he did not register that it was a fake thing. Even, even if it's based off events, he's, it's like, it's like me getting really, really mad at like the plot of just some movie where somebody's wronged, you know, I, I don't know. Watching it with my wife who didn't grow up evangelical was so fun. 
Like she was, <laughs> she was just like, what? Like, like there's so many times because I took, she would just be like, where's that coming from? And like, just what, what happened there? Like, it just really made me laugh. But she is, it was not a world she was used to at all. Like, oh yes. Oh, just the, I don't know, persecution complex that comes across very clearly oh, through it's the whole so thing. Right? Oh, and it's so real too. Like we laugh at it, but that's. That's such a real thing. Yeah. That every every like forty to to late fifties mom has. Oh yeah. Yeah, they genuinely believe that that's what's happening. And so I think what's really fucking funny about this movie too is uh, Nate. We talked about this earlier. You mentioned this that th- this movie is loosely based off of like trying to be the Christian version of Inherit the Wind. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. The the movie about the Scopes Monkey Trial. Yeah. Um, it came out in like the sixties. And what I think is really interesting is to be fair, Inherit the Wind is not a good movie either. Uh, but Inherit, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and say that bold take. Uh, it's, it's a bad movie from the opposite perspective, but you know, it's about, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, but yeah, it's like, oh, the, the, um, you know, the, the one teacher who, who teaches uh, evolution when it's in, like, you know, rural Appalachia and it's illegal to violate those laws. And so it's, like, about that court case. What I do think is really interesting is that's really the only historical case of the thing that's happening in this movie. Right. And it was the other way around. It was that the religious authorities were the, the power and it was evolutionary, like... Just teaching evolution that was the person that got, like, into this crazy trial. Like, huh. I, I'm super fascinated by that. I should have said this in my evangelical story. I, this goes back to your episode with Shitty Christians. Yeah. I've been to the Creation Museum three times. No. Oh, my God. No way. Why? Yeah. Um, youth group trips, basically. Oh, they that'll would, do it. Because there's like all like Cedar Point and like Kings Island and all these like roller coaster parks are really close too. So like it's really easy to just kind of like place yourself like an hour between each and then like do that. And then one we did we we went through, it was like the fun activity on the way down to like a mission trip to like West Virginia. But so mm. when Josiah was reading through the museum, I was like, oh, I have it burned in my head. Like I never was there <laughs> when incredible. The, I never was there when the Ark Encounter was there, but. uh I've been three times. I was fully into it until I didn't like think about it in college because like I was studying music, you know, but like I was, I didn't think about like young earth creationism until almost I graduated. And I was like, this isn't real. (laughs) Like (laughs) 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 this isn't how it went. (laughs) Hey, Josiah. Yeah. Yeah. You know how every new year's we get together and do something. Yeah. Hear me out. (laughs) God. Ark Encounter, 2020, <laughs> 2021, Josiah and Jared, instead of just getting hammered at one of our respective homes slash apartments, we go to the Creation Museum and get hammered there. So I love the idea, but I think it's a little confident, bold of you to assume that COVID's going to be done by New Year's. I was going to ask, are they even open or are they doing stuff? Yeah. I they assume they open. are. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> what am I talking about? That was There's no way you're not open. Yeah, yeah. I'm so, if you're rejecting, yeah, Sorry, uh, evolution. I, I don't think you're necessarily in on the uh, whole mask science either. One of the I would dumbest assume. questions I've ever asked. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god.
This episode of Very Legal, Very Cool is brought to you by PureFlix. PureFlix is a movie streaming service that uh, serves only the freshest, purest, and most Christian of films that God has has blessed this this green earth with. And Very Legal, Very Cool is very proud to have a message that. that supports, agrees with, and in every way is in favor of the work that is being done at Netflix today. So if you love God and um, are not a garbage shit human being who's going to hell, then sign up for PureFlix with the with the coupon code God is dead and we kill him here at Very Legal, Very Cool, Be Legal, Be Cool at TwitterPod.com. Thank you for tuning in. And now, back to the feature presentation. I, uh, I went and grabbed a chaser to mix my liquor with. Liquor? So I wouldn't drink the liquor too fast. I hardly no. know her. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> that's, fuck you guys. That's for Joel. <laughs> so I, I, uh, I grabbed this Sprite that was in the fridge, and I poured it, and I was like, holy shit, this is really flat. Um, and then I sipped it and it was Arizona tea that somebody filled a Sprite bottle up with. And that's like pissing me off. Anyway, that can't so be I, good. I put crown apple in it and it's fine. Are we sure that was Arizona tea? We'll find out, huh? Whiskey Sprite slaps though. Sorry you're missing out yeah. on that. I know. Yeah. That was, I was thinking that was a move. Well, yeah, Nate. Was, quick sidebar oh. before we go. This might, this might be the inaugural episode of me getting drunk on the podcast because... I have these just obscenely large wine glasses. Like I, obscenely large. I, I think I got them free with my couch. Don't ask. And um, again, I think that I that my cup right now is maybe like a quarter of a bottle. <laughs> I'm so excited for Jared getting drunk on the nice. podcast. <laughs> I'm not excited for Jared has to work tomorrow. No, I wouldn't be excited about that either. Nate. Tell us about the song God's Not Dead. All right, so the song God's Not Dead. Now, one thing that has just been infuriating about not only watching this movie, but researching about how and why this movie was made is getting the people who made it to say anything beside, well, you see how society is, and we just have to make this film. That's all they society, say. Society, am I right? <laughs> However, as someone, I've heard that we live in one. We live in one, <laughs> and it's bad for evangelical Christians, apparently. So this song, so we were talking about it a little bit earlier, but this kind of whole God's not dead, I guess, idea or thesis started with this guy named Daniel Bashta. Now you've never heard of Daniel Bashta. I can always, almost guarantee it. He's kind of a smaller singer songwriter guy who did like indie worship stuff. And uh, he put out this album called The Sounds of Daniel Bashta. And on this uh, album was a song called Like a Lion. Uh, now that song did okay. He ended up making it onto a YouTube performance at Relevant Studios. To anyone who like was into like worship music, I don't know, 2011 to 2015, you've probably watched your favorite band that was a worship band do an acoustic set from there. Anyways, so he did that, and then it got the attention of David Crowder of the David Crowder Band. Um, now, not to be confused with Steven Crowder. Not to be confused with Steven Crowder. Of, of the Steven Crowder band. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Who follows me on Twitter, I think I've mentioned on the show before. Hey, that's very, very cool. Uh, <laughs> nice. Nice, man. 
Um, as nice as Jared's 69 followers. Anyway. Nice. Um, no one follow me, please. So David Crowder, who, if you've heard the song How He Loves, um, you probably know the David Crowder version, but that's a song that was originally written by John Mark McMillan. That's kind of a thing that David Crowder started doing about halfway through his career. He would start covering songs by kind of lesser-known worship artists and putting them on his albums. Now, he would also make it a very big point to give them as much credit as possible to take them on tour with him, do whatever it was. So he got a hold of this Daniel Bastia song and he kind of rearranged some of the lyrics and like the flow of the song and ended up performing it at a big uh, college worship conference called Passion, which takes place down in Atlanta, Georgia every year. And the version was recorded. And that's the version I grew up, or I grew up, I was in college. That's the version I heard and was like, oh, this song rules and we played all the time. So that song was like kind of in the um, college young adult worship zeitgeist um, starting in, I think it was about 2011, 2012. And shortly after that, the band, the Newsboys, got a hold of it. Now, the Newsboys, if you have been alive since <laughs> 1992, I don't know, have been a band in many, many different lineups, anything. There are no original members of the Newsboys left. There is a member of DC Talk. Which means Talk. that they are more of a brand than a band. They are certainly but, more of a brand. Yeah. They are not Which is- a band at all, especially at this time because... They weren't even putting out songs that were original music. They were just doing worship albums and almost all worship mm-hmm. covers, if any. I can't remember what's actually on the God's Not Dead album, but I want to say it's almost all covers with maybe like one or two originals. Mm-hmm. Definitely a brand because one of their big things is so the Newsboys ended up doing this song and they actually sort of changed the title from uh, the original song was Like a Lion to God's Not Dead, parentheses Like a Lion. Um, kind of, and what that does basically is as opposed to David Crowder, who's like, Hey, this ain't my song. I just kind of arranged it with a guy. I met with a guy in person. They were just kind of like, Hey man, can we use your song? And then put it and basically advertise it as their own song. Now they also, the newsboys take a lot of credit for getting the God's not dead movie made, especially one and two. I don't think they're involved in the third one. But one and two, they take a ton of credit for. Now, unfortunately, none of them mention the song and its sort of role that it had in this. But it has to be a lot, given that, you know, the name comes from the title of the song. It also comes from a (laughs) book that came out around the same time called God's Not Dead, Evidence for God in Ages Mm. of Uncertainty. Which, guess what? Came out at about the exact same time that this song was so big. That so sounds it's, to me like a conspiracy. Well, there's this thing. I talked to Josiah about this a little bit, but there's this thing I like to call the Christian entertainment industrial complex. And nice. <laughs> but it's a real thing because what they do, so it's actually set up in a good way kind of. If you write a big worship song, if you work at a church, there's this thing called CCLI. And to play any of the worship songs, you have to subscribe to it and pay a monthly fee depending on if you live stream your services, how much you use the song. Like when I worked at a church, I had to report over a six-month period every single song that we did. Um, And part of our subscription fee would go to pay that artist for using it in church. So, I mean, if you can write a big worship hit, that's a lot of money for you. It's why so many worship bands stink 
and keep regurgitating the same material is because all you got to do is fit that formula, make it rhyme a little bit, and repeat and have it kind of not be a good song but something a 40-year-old mom would like, and you'll get it played in church quite a bit and make a nice. lot of money. So it's actually very good for this guy, Daniel Bastia, that the song has gone big because he still has the original songwriting credit, and when I checked his net worth, which whatever that's worth on the internet, it was at like $8 million dollars. Because he's written other worship hits that have gone on to be played by churches and other bands. But it's very shifty of these other bands because not only the Newsboys, but what other bands will do is they'll take other artists and then just be like, oh, no, I'm like this person and I'm doing this song. And not even mention that a smaller <laughs> Christian artist did it. And sometimes they'll get the credit. Other times I've looked and they're actually not getting the credit because the bigger worship artists will arrange it differently. And because they've arranged it differently, they can add themselves to the songwriting credit and then start getting mm. some of that licensing money. But another thing that can happen is, have any of you guys heard the song The Christmas Shoes? Yes. Uh, yes. If your song is big enough and stupid enough, you can mm -hmm. get your song made into a movie, much like The Christmas Shoes song was made into a movie. <laughs> was it made into a movie? No. Starring, <laughs> it's better, starring Rob Lowe. No. <laughs> Please tell me produced by Hallmark. That's, that's our that's our Christmas episode, dude. Yes. <laughs> yes. It has happened. By the way, guys, so we are starting a, a worship band, right? Yeah. Look. Very legal, very cool for Jesus. I'm still into the I'm still very into certain indie worship artists and I'm always scared that I'll have spent like my last four years just bashing like worship music and then accidentally write like a big worship hit just like and then like be a millionaire because of it and be like, Well, looks like the system worked out for me. <laughs> I'm just in They're it just... for the money, so that's fine by me. To be clear, I would like I would sell out for music, so if it if I had the chance, instant. I would have it. If, if, I, if basically you're telling me, oh, you can play music for a living, but it's gonna be like this junkie worship song you wrote, I'd be like, yeah, that's fine. I'm fine with that. <laughs> I'll, take it. I'll take it. But this happens with other things. We're talking about pure flicks. Uh, Lee Strobel's Case for Christ books, which were huge, were made into a movie, and it's this whole thing where they kind of just regurgitate old material into different forms of art or different forms of song. It's why so many art worship artists, like musically speaking, will take like Amazing Grace and then add their own verse to it because since it's a public domain song, they can't take credit, a songwriting credit for it, but they can if they just add their own yeah. original spin to it and they don't have to worry about paying another artist because it's been a song, you know, Amazing Grace has been around since the 1800s and it's in the public Fuck domain. You, Chris Tomlin. Exactly. Chris Tomlin <laughs> is a huge person of the, like huge like person who does this. There's other artists that you could look into that like do that. It's the reason that some of these mega churches just spit out albums all the time is because it's worth it for this yeah. to just get that song into the cycle, get the Spotify streams, but then get it into churches that will play your song and then end up shoving that money right back into the church. Hmm. It's not I actually worship. didn't know any it's, of this. This is this is fascinating. Yeah. I think like a direction podcast wise is I think a lot of things that I want to bring up for future topics are going to be tangentially an answer to the question, how the fuck did this movie get made? Right. And this song, these songs get made because like I, I've been growingly really interested in evangelicalism from a historical perspective. And like this, this movie wouldn't exist if it weren't for the fact that very specific evangelical theologies that showed up in the early like 20th century started to argue that that Christianity needs to be a separate culture. Right. Like that, that's like a completely new thing, but like 
God's Not Dead wouldn't exist if it weren't for that. But also by like, <laughs> like it's a separate culture by essentially just taking and mocking like main culture. Like so yeah, yeah. like so many of the like I, I'm speaking more to the like music thing right now, but like so many of the bands are like just cheap like punk ver- band versions of Blink one eighty two. You know, or whatever, like, yeah. like, oh, like their kids, their parents probably won't let the, let them listen to Blink One Eighty Two, but everyone likes pop punk. Let's just do it and sing it about Jesus. It's just a half of it's a grift. There's some people in there that are very sincere, but almost all the sincere people end up being your like Switchfoot's or Reliant K's who will put out an album where they like are questioning all their beliefs, and people will be like, oh, that album sucks. You mm-hmm. you said this before, and it's like, no, they're just being real people. Like they're not falling into this kind of complex basically that as long as you just repeat the same thing over and over again like you're gonna get you're gonna make your money which uh, at a point sucks and at a point fair enough the thing that sucks is the people that they're making the money from like don't realize this at all or don't care which is like Mm. the super frustrating part to me like right is that they're the like they're just taking advantage of people's lack of care because it doesn't take like i mean if people don't like worship music or whatever it doesn't take a lot to write good worship music you just have to try like most of these people mm-hmm. like aren't even trying to write good songs like they're just like yeah. well hey. i'm out then <laughs> right <laughs> just, but they're just like do they're just putting in a formula like if you've ever played in a church yeah. it's like oh here's this part of the song oh, yeah. like you can play it. every song is the same like where yeah any of the good artists like you're like oh this actually is different and this has a different drum beat like whatever the case may be but i mean surely there there is like a practical component to that what as well though right because a lot of worship bands are like high school kids that don't really know how to play their instruments right Mm. i that's the thing about it that i've always tried to like balance in my head like should you be writing music that is that to copy it it has to be so simple because no one like goes to see like your favorite like local band cover Green Day and expect them to nail every part. They just want right. to get the idea of the Green Day song, which is why it's frustrating to me that like more worship bands, more, like their musicians are probably good enough for the most part to do something better yeah. and just be like, hey, here's either a simplified version or just have like whoever the worship leader is at the church be like, all right, we're not going to do that. Like we're just going to like play the simple lead sheet and stuff, you know? We don't need yeah. to. I will say, yeah. One of the one of the best musicians that I that I ever knew that I ever played with in a worship band or knew to play in a worship band um, went on after that to to play lead guitar in a death metal band. Sick. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, a hill to die upon. Actually, a great band based out of Monmouth, Illinois. Nice. Uh, so nice. shout out to Nolan. But oh Nolan, I yeah feel no like I, I mean he's he's time, an incredible right? like phenomenal guitarist. Oh yeah, it says nothing about the musicians who are involved. Like sometimes you can even if you know what you're listening for, be like, oh that part's really cool. They just buried it in the mix because mm-hmm. I bet Tina won't like it when she listens to it or whoever. Like yeah, <laughs> that part's actually, yeah, actually the, get it out of here. <laughs> the band that he played. For, or the, the church that he played with, that, that worship band, was actually led by the ex-bassist of Emery. Fun fact. Oh, oh uh, wow. Dave, right? Isn't that who it is? Uh, I, I want to say yes. I met him a few times, but I don't remember exactly. He's back in Emory now, I'm pretty sure. Good for him. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad he got out of Oasis. <laughs> 
I think he's glad he got out of Oasis too. We've really gone, <laughs> we've really gone on a tangent here. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all good. So as I, you can tell, this episode's about God's not dead. <laughs> <laughs> ready to do the movie yeah here we are a bit over an hour into the podcast let's get (laughs) (laughs) you said i think you said raging evangelicals and i think that's what the episode title actually should be someone said that earlier and i think that raging evangelical (laughs) all right i like it i like it well let's get some initial thoughts about this movie I like it. I, I was a great movie. I, you know, I went in an atheist, a hardened atheist. Um, my my main goal in life prior to watching God's Not Dead Two was to kill God, and I wanted to be the one to do it. Um, but I sat down and I watched God's Not Dead Two, and you know, I, you know, you you hear the phrase "born again," and you don't really know what that means until you experience it, until you actually come and you're viscerally thrust out into the world again covered in fluid and just (laughs) just born anew and that's how i felt watching god's not dead too i consider myself as of now a born again christian i want to be a minister i'm going to seminary school and uh, (laughs) much like the uh the the chinese kid yes god's not dead (laughs) Exactly. Within a matter within a matter of hours, um, and one interaction with with a movie, I'm yeah, I'm turning, I'm changing my whole life. That's the review. God's not dead too. Always wanted. I think. <laughs> well, Jared, l- let me ask you a question. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, have you seen God's Not Dead one? No. <laughs> Nor had so I seen was, God's Not Dead two uh, until about two hours, three or so four hours how ago. Was, how was the watching experience of watching God's Not Dead two without well, any of the? <laughs> I I think it's actually I really enjoyed the the narrative device that they deployed, where they were actually able to tell three entirely different stories that didn't really connect in any sort of way at the same time and i think that was very a very clever uh very clever for thing for them to do yeah this movie is like the the christian war and peace like there's like 20 characters and they're all like doing shit that's vaguely related oh that's what's <laughs> not really like bad. that's what at uh, one like my wife and I were watching like the grandpa or like the dad that she's taking care of is just gone for like 45 minutes of the movie. Like he's a he big part. Right. serve any role in the movie. Gone. No. So I, I watched it with two of my friends and, um, <laughs> one of my friends came down like 10 minutes into the movie after the first scene with the dad or with, yeah, yeah with her dad. Um, and he didn't believe us that there was a dad until like, this late second <laughs> half of the movie where he where he came back. Well, because he even tries to set up like a romantic subplot because he's like, soon you'll need like me, and then it <laughs> and then it that. never even develops ever. Right. I was okay. I was I was in between on like, is this her dad or do we have something else going on here? Um, so right. so let's give a feel for the plot of this movie so we can kind of go through the movie. Um, you don't think people like the random say, plot points that we're throwing out? No, no, not at all. Uh, 
the first movie, the quick, the, the long and short of it is this kid has a college professor who uh, forces him to, well, he forces the class to write on a piece of paper, God's dead. Wait, 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 wait. Um, Are you talking about, movie? that's God's not dead one. No, no, I'm saying, I'm giving, I'm filling everybody in to where we're at. Oh, okay. Oh, how we even so, got so to God's not dead how we, too. Yes, yeah. Apologies. Yeah. Fascinating. So, no, I'm, uh, I'm like, I'm doing an elevator pitch of the first movie. I don't want to get into the weeds with it. But because unfortunately, both, this movie, you, we sounded this like movie super actually, fans there. Hey, fuck you, man. That's, that's the first one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, 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 movie one, the long and short of it is a kid is uh, a, a college professor doesn't want to talk about God because he's an atheist, so he forces a bunch of kids to write God's Not Dead on a piece of paper. But this kid is a Christian, and he refuses to do it. And so he turns into this long, ongoing thing where he's supposed to debate the professor for, like, three classes on the issue of God. And through those three classes, he ends up converting various classmates through example... Um, and it kind of just spirals until the uh, defeated professor admits that he doesn't believe in God because his uh, mom died of cancer or something like that. Um, that and then he goes out and then he uh, gets hit by a car and dies. <laughs> nice. But it's okay because in the last dying moments of his life, the kid who had been arguing with him, his pastor, happens to be there and converts the guy before he dies. Um, and then everybody ends up at a Newsboys concert. A Newsboys concert in which um, this other unrelated character named Amy, who's a journalist, uh, An she's a liberal hot. journalist, uh, just fucking, <laughs> she hates the Duck Dynasty guys, and then she finds out she has cancer, and then she goes to the Newsboys concert, and she hates the Newsboys guys, and then she starts crying because she has cancer, and then the Newsboys guys convert her. And to be clear, throughout all of God's Not Dead 2, I assumed that she was dating the Newsboys guy. <laughs> so that was my assumption. Because why would you call I learned a later guy? that it was wrong. Because why would you call a guy from a famous band to let him know so, Also, doing? why is he calling her like when he's in the middle of a concert? Yeah, is that, that was something weird. that happens? <laughs> it is. <laughs> you just need to be friends with the Newsboys, bro. <laughs> like... What kind of fuck you is that? It's like, hold up, I'm gonna take a call. <laughs> um, so just to just just to really quickly grab the characters that will carry over in this, uh, we have the a pastor boys. in this movie. Well, we have the newsboys. We have a pastor who is the pastor of the kid, the college kid in the first movie, um, and he's he's gonna end up on the jury in this terrible court case in this oh, that movie. That seems such bullshit. Continue. <laughs> Well, he's not really on the jury. Well, we'll get First, there. We'll get there. That we we have we have Amy, who's the liberal journalist who got converted by the newsboys. Former boys. liberal um, journalist. Yes, now not liberal journalist. And then we have Martin Yip, who is this uh, Chinese college student who got converted from the last movie. And there's a bunch of racist stereotypes about Chinese. Uh, atheism and service of Mao and stuff in the first movie. It's really bad. And then in this movie, he's he's converted and he's asking a lot of questions to the pastor. 147 questions to the pastor about God. So those are the those are the crossover characters. And that's how we got here. <laughs> I would like it to be noted that for the first 10 minutes of the movie, there's almost nothing that's like explicitly religious that happens. And then yeah. 
we get to a part where the question is asked and the teacher says the word Jesus. And we immediately, immediately cut to the newsboys. And from there on out, it's just an avalanche. <laughs> like a fucking crushing amount of, of Jesus. Can, can I say too, the thing that starts off this whole case like in the classroom especially because as i'm reading she's an ap history teacher is the most innocuous description of jesus you could possibly have it 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 absolutely Mm -hmm. is this is why i think of that kid that was getting really mad that guy i worked with at target yeah is so funny because he's caught up in this plot dialogue like this plot (laughs) where it's like oh she didn't do that much but obviously that's the point they're making like they're they're that's clearly fake yeah Right. That this would never happen. Like, this movie right. would it, not it's happen. It's insane. And, like, you almost wish that she had kind of preached or done something that would actually, obviously not warrant anything on this level. Because, like, I, it's like they had that, that boardroom. Like, first off, why the fuck does this college, this high school even have a room like that? <laughs> like, this giant executive boardroom. But then in the second scene with it, it's just, like, her and her lawyer, and then fucking 15-plus people. There are rows of seats behind this boardroom table where, for no goddamn reason, they've got, like, 20 people just hanging out, watching. That's what, well, that's what I... When I, it happened, I was like, my, my wife's a teacher, and I was sitting there, and I was like... I asked her, I was like, if you were in this much trouble, you'd already have a lawyer, right? And they're like, yeah. like the school, And like, also, the school wouldn't be against you. Oh. The school's job is to protect oh. you. Like, they're not coming after you. I, 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 I want to come back to this, because I think we should go through the movie as we talk about it. I want to come back to that scene, because uh, there's some fucked up stuff going on there. Perfect. Um, okay, so the movie begins with the longest montage in any movie ever. Uh <laughs> <laughs> it is truly like 20 minutes of just various like Christian music kind of playing while we see all these characters who we have not been introduced to yet living their lives. And then we get to this character, Grace, uh, and get Grace is this high school teacher and she teaches AP history. And like early on, someone comments at her telling her that like her optimism about the world's going to wear off soon. Uh, and then lo and behold, it does. Because in class... That's called foreshadowing. Well, actually... <laughs> well, real quick... Is it to, foreshadowing okay. if it lasts, like, five minutes? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, this is this student of hers named Brooke, whose brother died. And Brooke talks to, uh, talks to Grace and asks, like, Man, how do you do it? How do you get through life? Life sucks so much. And Grace says, Jesus. So... And Brooke. that's where then we cut to the newsboys. <laughs> As uh, Brooke is dealing with her dead brother, uh, stu- uh, she, she receives like the belongings of her dead brother. And lo and behold, even though she was raised secular and atheist, her brother had a Bible, who what she then proceeds to read because Grace had mentioned Jesus. Also, this can I, becomes yeah, can a I, problem. Can I jut in here? Her brother's apparently yeah. a massive evangelical Christian and didn't want men- once mention to not only his parents, but his sister that he was into this. Like, it just doesn't, yeah. like, that's nuts. That's not what he would have done. Anyways. No. I, I, I also want to note, I, for the entire movie, up until about the last 15 minutes, assumed that he died, of that it was a suicide, because everything that they set up looked like a suicide 
damn. Well, that would have made it a more interesting movie. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but it was not. There would have been a darkness Can to it. Can we talk about the Newsboys scene where uh, the, the blogger calls them? Is that on the track? Or oh, are yeah. Are into that? And that, again, yeah, so let's, let's get there. Because... I did, I did skip a little bit ahead here, because then we also introduced the character Amy, the cancer patient from the first movie. Uh, who and you can calls... tell she's a liberal because she drives a green hybrid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she calls the newsboys. Uh, what do you want to say about like that Like you scene? do. <laughs> when I need some about... moral guidance, I too call the newsboys. Oh, oh, because I should say, yeah, She so she calls because she finds out that her cancer's gone. Yeah. It, it's it's just randomly gone into emission, remission, and it was a miracle. Aside, and she calls the newsboys. Aside boys. from the <laughs> absurdity of calling the newsboys about something like that, aside, the absurdity of calling them speak for yourself <laughs> at all. Who are you going to call? The newsboys. News news <laughs> and the bad acting that Michael Tate has in that scene, which I. He's such a bad he's, actor. He, he's not an actor, so whatever. But that scene and is. barely a musician. Barely, he only sings. The uh, that scene is so gross by insinuating that if you just pray, you won't have cancer anymore. <laughs> hey, it worked for like, Steve Jobs. Especially if it's like I'm in, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, no, no. no that's... That. <laughs> Just, hey, atheist, just to be clear, if you get diagnosed with cancer, call up Michael Tate and then pray to God and you'll be cured. It's the most absurd scene in the whole thing of an absurd movie. Like, that is crazy. Nothing compared uh, so to that we, joke we... by Jared, though. Well done. <laughs> so, so we return to, uh, to Brooke, who's in class and... Uh, is in class and Grace is talking about Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, Evangelical's uh, favorite black man. <laughs> uh, the only one they really like. Um, and <laughs> well, they like Michael Tate. <laughs> oh, sorry, yes, and that also. Um, Kirk Franklin. No, he's, and- <laughs> he's up there with Martin Luther King <laughs> Anyway, and so she's teaching about uh, MLK's like pacifism, and then Brooke, who's been reading the Bible, says, "Oh, isn't that kind of like uh, kind of like Jesus when he says love your enemies?" Uh, and Grace goes, uh, "Yep, hell yeah, that's, brother." That's really, <laughs> that's really about I think it. She, I think she quotes <laughs> like one Bible verse. Yes, she, she says. Yeah. yeah, she quotes the verse with the context of nothing that. referencing salvation or anything. No, right. No. Also- she didn't even hand out chick tracks. Oh, my favorite is then this dude goes like, "Well, Jesus died, so we know how that worked out for him." Also, <laughs> and then she follows it up with, "Well, MLK died too, so yeah, they killed MLK too, which is funny because Gandhi also got assassinated." She didn't mention Gandhi. They both got assassinated. <laughs> To just only pick one. She didn't even mention Malcolm X. Or anyone <laughs> Also, just else. what a lame <laughs> response. Well, Jesus died. No shit. JFK, according to conspiracies. JFK died. Can you imagine? Yeah, Can you and imagine? his head just did that. <laughs> <laughs> so now, now we're about three hours into the movie. 
Um, and then the movie decides to introduce Martin Yip, the uh, Chinese kid from the first movie, who shows up at church and asks 147 questions about God, which all felt like a weird Asian math stereotype. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. That was what I was thinking the entire yeah, time. Yeah, we picked that one up too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was one. pretty bad. So then we get to, uh, oh shit, Grace is in legal trouble because she wah, talked about wah. Jesus at the school. <laughs> <laughs> And so they're dragged into that big boardroom we were talking about earlier. She, she's like, do you have representation? And she is given union representation. <laughs> that was, I think, the thing we're missing here is this <laughs> terrible representation she gets is from the union, which is a subtle jab this movie nonstop keeps making at teachers' unions. <laughs> Because it's not just that this represent- representative sucks. This representative is in the court, or in not in the court, sorry, in the boardroom where she's getting confronted about, you know, talking about Jesus. And then the, uh, oh, the, the you know, the, the principal's like, you said Jesus in class. And then her representative looks at her and goes, oh, Grace, why'd you do that? <laughs> <laughs> Which is a You know you can't say lawyer. Jesus in class. <laughs> scene where we get a teacher on the phone talking to the coach about how he cannot have football players pray. And it's not even a scene, it's just like the intro to another scene where it's just a random conversation that she happened to be having. Like, she has these every day. Like, no, of course you can't have the team praying on the school property. Or even a moment of silence. And like, as Grace is walking in. I forgot about that one. That I think that falls under the notes that I took where many times my wife and I were just like, where's that coming from? Because like, I had that. It's so far out of left field. Yeah, I for, I'm also very uh, impressed that you they guys show, took notes. I think they sh- I, show in the first like montage, I think they show the football team like praying on the field. Or like it's either the football or baseball oh. team. And then I think it's like uh, if you're trying to put that together, then she's saying no. But then they don't address it the rest of the time. They're just trying to. Well, see, they I, do a lot of that. Yeah. I, I'm sure that that montage, which lasts what feels like a year, um, I bet is probably better on second watch. Right. <laughs> I, I'm sure it has a lot of like stuff that you're like, oh, there it's foreshadowing. But yeah, you know. you're right. There's a lot that can be gained from God's Not Dead Two on a second watch. <laughs> I almost did. I, I, had, so. I had it for 48 hours, so I almost did. Shit. <laughs> I I still okay. could. I just rented it, so. So Grace is in legal trouble now. Wah, wah, wah. Um. Wah, wah, wah. So she meets with her union appointed lawyer, who is a. <laughs> who who is just a random public defender they found not to you know, mention an the, atheist <laughs> yes just like <laughs> this guy is doing like community service defending and this her. man instead of owning one suit what he chose to do was own one part of 20 different suits <laughs> that he would then mix and match throughout the entire movie 
the part where the uh, evil lawyer or whatever, which I know we're a little ahead, but when he talks shit about his shoes was so funny to me because his shoes were the most acceptable part about his outfit. Right. <laughs> his shoes were fine. He's like, he's like, nice shoes. And then walks in, he looks at him, and the, the teacher or the lawyer guy's like, oh, fuck, these shoes do suck. The shoes were fine. The shoes looked great. <laughs> the rest of you looked like an idiot. <laughs> they were the nicest shoes you could possibly have. Uh, so so Tom Endler, the uh, the lawyer here, he says, uh, yeah, I'm taking your case because nobody wants your case and, you know, you're fucked. But I have good news, even though I'm not a Christian, I don't like losing, which is really the only line in this movie that I would consider semi-badass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, so at least, at least take- he takes his job seriously. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Tom, Tom takes her, you know, and meets with them and whatever. And then, uh, you know, he's going to get her off with a disciplinary notice and an he's apology and a pledge not to do it again. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so he's going to get off with just, you know, some basic shit. But, and Tom's like, yeah, that's dope. And then Grace is like, no, I can't do that. I'm not going to apologize for what I did. And Fair. so, oh, and fuck. Tom was like, that's anything. not so dope. <laughs> We're yeah. going to court, and the ACLU is now going to get involved. The way? To be fair, I did sympathize with Grace because, again, the whole premise is insane. <laughs> the, that's the true. The way they say ACLU made me die laughing. And, like, my, my wife was like, what? And, like, I was like, dude, you wouldn't believe how bad, like, all the radio shows that my parents listened to growing up, like, hated the ACLU. When, in fact... They hate the ACLU. When, in fact, they defend churches all the time. Like, all the time. They do lots of good stuff. And they're just like, what organization can we throw out that's on the left? Ah, the ACLU. And are just like, screw those guys. Because I, I wish I could go back. I... I Feel like there was like a musical cue under that. He's like, "We don't need to do it. We'll get the ACLU." And then just I'm exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fairly certain that was it. <laughs> oh my god! So the ACLU gets involved, and they go to Brooks' parents, who I mentioned. Brooks' parents, secular, free thinkers, atheists. They don't and want. They do nothing this in the dead of God. night, mind you. Yes. Oh, it's awesome. It's like, yeah. You know, Incredible. Like basic, uh, the, also, the, the, like, Lloyd- no one describes themselves as a free thinker. I've never heard that. I, I went I, to I a, like a hu- uh, UU church with a bunch of humanists. I never heard that word <laughs> once. <laughs> <laughs> so so Peter Kane, the ACLU lawyer, is coming in. And, and he's not literally stroking a black cat, but it, it's like implied as he's meeting with the parents, he's just like, ah, ha, ha, twisting his evil mustache. Um, with his silent he... assistant. <laughs> with his silent he, assistant. Has, he had two dork. assistants. The, the dork assistant said maybe three lines. His, his female assistant did not have a line in the movie until the last scene <laughs> where she had, I think, maybe a total of ten words. And one was like, oh, he really got you there. And the other was, well, you know that part where they literally proved that Jesus Christ is real? And then he gave her a dirty <laughs> hey, look. Hey, and hey, that was hey, it. hey, spoilers, spoilers. I already, I already <laughs> said that there'd be spoilers. Yeah, I, I covered this, man. That's why I was proactive. So, 
Oh, I also want to say how funny it is that Peter Kane is played by Ray Wise. Yeah. That was just so funny the whole time to watch. Oh, man. Oh, the the guy from paid. Ghostbusters is the judge. Well, I don't know. The, the God's Not Dead franchise, at least the first two movies, really like to do this thing where they get one big budget, like, Hollywood figure or vaguely Hollywood figure, and then make them the bad guy. Which, in and of itself, kind of feels like it's a culture war statement that they're making with that. Because mm-hmm. in, the, in the first movie, the evil professor is uh, Kevin Sorbo. Oh, dude. Um, Kevin Sorbo went off in his interviews about that movie, though, too. I was reading it. Really? I was he, reading about he it. Hate it. Oh, he's like, you know how hard it is to be a conservative in Hollywood? Like, I don't get to read for anything anymore. I used to read for pilots all the time. Now I don't. And it's all because of my views about Jesus. Like in every single interview and it's like i don't know man like you seem pretty old and maybe people don't want you for their pilots anymore like, <laughs> i don't know that's fair yeah, there's a lot of other uh, actors that are dealing with similar problems yeah. I, I don't know anyways no, anyway. no it's the worst for him he wanted to he wanted to be in god's not dead I don't know about Ray Wise. Uh, Ray Wise seemed to pick it dude, up. Dude, I want to be in God's Not Dead. Can you blame them? <laughs> I do, too. I do, I'd too. I'd kill to be in God's Not Dead. Dude, dude, dude uh, my brother, my brother, and me had this, like, offshoot podcast where they were trying, where it was, like, a like a serial-style podcast, but it was about them trying to get in the Trolls movie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I want to do that for us. I want an offshoot series about us trying to get into god's not dead for or the news i love it <laughs> see if you can Honestly. become the latest member of the news boys i love it i i'm in again to be clear um, if the news boys offered me money to play music for a living i would do it and would not feel bad 100 so. percent. oh of course not all right so we're entering the courtroom now it's the courtroom. This is Ooh. where we enter the the inherit the wind kind of intensity. Are we on jury um, selection, or are we still not that far yet? Yes, we're we're about to enter okay. jury selection. I'll also note there's protests going on outside, oh. um, but they're kind of lame. Protests. Peaceful, I hope. Oh man, <laughs> uh, we'll we'll talk about more of the protesting side of this later. That's the best part. <laughs> I love the protests. They're very good. They're very good protests. So so they're choosing the jury. <laughs> It's the funniest part. In a way that makes no sense and is not how juries are chosen in any it's way, shape, best. or form. It's it's the best part because it's the most explicitly culture war part. Oh, yeah. Where, like, the ACLU lawyer goes like, what's your favorite show? And the guy says, Duck Dynasty, and he's like, you're off the jury. Oh, I laughed for, like, five minutes. He kicks the Marine off, To be off, fair, too. though, that's a he, smart he, he call. Kicks, oh, he kicks the Marine off. That's so oh, funny. Oh, yeah, he's like, a Marine couldn't possibly not believe in God. He's, he's right. a Marine. God and country, brother. Oh, so funny. The funniest thing, too, which I know, like, is they are like, hey, like, it's going to sweep the lawyer for um, the good guys, as they would say, not the ACLU, is like, this is going to suck if we get a balanced jury against us. Like, we have to make sure this is not biased. And then they let the whole they let a pastor on the jury. And you're supposed to be like cheering for that when the whole point was having a non-biased jury. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, like two minutes earlier, like a biased jury is bad for law and order. And then immediately they're like, ah, we've got a biased jury. This is great for us. Almost being like, we can't win without this pastor on here. Lo and behold, this pastor is the pastor who is the pastor of the main kid from the first movie, and, and the one that's been coaching Martin. And wow. also, we'll learn, prone to random and immediate appendicitis. 
<laughs> also, very funny that to set up how hard his life was, they didn't give him actual life problems aside from stubbing his toe and having someone spill coffee on him. Like, there's For, a, you, you know yes. the best part though. He spilled coffee all over that shirt, but he was bringing luggage into the office. <laughs> right. He had oh, his yes. clothes with him. <laughs> right. He could have changed at any point, but he chose to wear his shirt that was covered in latte. There are so many 20-second scenes that you could do to set up how hard a pastor's life is without having to spend three minutes of a montage showing three separate life events that aren't actually a big deal, leading to someone having a stressed-out life. It was the, yeah. Right. See, it's more of a, like a stressed-out day buildup. Yeah, yeah they, they have this guy just, like, yeah, stubbing his toe and, like, is yeah, like getting a coffee order wrong essentially, and then they act like this is a serious man. Right. Like this is like the fucking job of like But I, I think so the important bad. thing too is he had no bearing on the movie. He could have been entirely removed and nothing yeah. would have changed. I didn't realize literally, he was the pastor literally. from the first movie because I haven't seen it either. And so you saying that makes it at least make sense to me why he's in the movie now. Because I was like, yeah, who is that's, this? That's what I was going to say. This? So like, it makes sense why he's in the movie. But again, he doesn't impact the movie in any way. He is, I think, the main character of the third movie. I think they're working ahead to do that. I have thoughts about the post-credit um, scene, too. Anyways, keep going. I so, so that's funny. Scene. Oh, yeah, I, I'm going to edit I'm gonna I'm gonna edit this out. Neither Jared credits, nor Jared. I. <laughs> neither Jared I nor I story for the end. Oh no! Are you serious? I didn't see it. Oh. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it up on YouTube right now. Yeah, save it for later. Sorry, I didn't mean to. Dis- yeah. No, you're good. I'm gonna go ahead and say from this point on, I'm gonna mostly skip all of the side plots and just focus on Grace because I don't think we're gonna get to the end of this podcast. If I focus on any plot points aside from Grace, because everyone right. else does not matter, does not matter to the movie. I swear to God. I have one. I have <laughs> one thought. Extremely what? racist portrayal of what a father of an Asian uh, son. Oh, this is the second movie in a row with jarring domestic abuse. Like crazy. And also just like for no reason... Because it doesn't set up any, I maybe it did in the first that I missed. Like sets up like no reason why this father would be so upset that he's decided to be a uh, Christian. Aside from just that he's Chinese, yeah, that really is like the yeah. way it justifies it. And um, the first movie, which you said you never saw, okay, uh, the first movie has a really brutal scene. Like I'm not even gonna really describe it because it like will make this not funny anymore. Yeah. Uh, of the this Muslim character who's she gets converted while like watching the main guy, um, and then goes ahead and just like her, her dad um, finds out she's a Christian and just brutally beats her for maybe a two minute long. Scene. Oh, chill, yeah. Jesus! It, it is truly horrific and racist as hell. Yeah, that, that's that's my <laughs> like, only thought on side things. I think is I had to bring up like how just like yeah. brutally, if not racist. I say racist, but extremely stereotypical that scene was of how that interaction yeah. mm-hmm. would go. That was like as yeah. much as the conversion Everything scene. With that character. As much as the conversion yeah. scenes are an evangelical fever dream, that is also like what they think 
of when they think of China is and just yeah. even like, Oh, this is like how hard it will be for you. If you like come to your family and stuff, like, I don't know. Most families are probably fine with it. And also most evangelical families are probably the same way, maybe not physically, but definitely emotionally to people who decide to leave the church and not even leave the evangelical church or not even leave the full church, just the evangelical church. Like, or even like consider, you know, the kids that come out, in high school or college right. and get disowned from their families. These are these are the exact families that are doing that. Right, or send them to conversion therapy or something horrible like exactly. that. Exactly. Like, I was just like, this is the most stereotypical thing. And also, this is what's happened to so many people I either know or am aware of. Like, you're doing the same thing if this was even something that was happening at all. So, anyways, yeah. that's all I have on that. That scene was, among aside from the cancer scene, that was like the most like offensive to me, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, if you ever go back and watch the first one, you will, you'll be pretty jarred. Yeah. <laughs> it's got a lot of scenes. Maybe like after that. the podcast, you've got uh, me intrigued. <laughs> there we go. So, so I'm, uh, I'm going to go ahead. We're just going to say we're mostly dumping the side characters because the movie dumps them in a way they don't matter. Which is very and disappointing. Cause like, yeah. and just to reiterate, they interact in like almost almost no interaction between the side characters. Like we we essentially have three different movies that are happening and two of them don't matter at all and one of them kind of matters but not really. Yeah. And the the um, outcome of like the main plot is not impacted in any way by Amy. It's not impacted in any way by the pastors and No, they remove the pastors from the plot. Right. It's it's yeah, yeah, they they literally like did a Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, uh. <laughs> okay. So, we get to like the like first day of court or whatever. Um and basically Tom the lawyer layers out that uh you know, the first amendment has the establishment clause and the free exercise clause. Uh and then but it never says separation of church and state. Oh shit. That comes from a Thomas Jefferson letter. This was a talking point. I swear to God, I heard all the time growing Mm -hmm. up. It's very dumb. (laughs) Yeah. And the ACLU comes up and says, ah, Christianity's not on trial here. La-di-da-di-da. Um... Tom has a copy of the Constitution and proves that there's no separation of church and state. Um... And so basically goes like, ah, yeah, all she wanted to, all Grace wanted to do was answer a question. So as much as ACLU says faith is not on trial, faith is on trial. So, okay. So then um, goes on and starts bringing people to the stand. We've got the parents of Brooke who wanted to raise a free thinker. And then we have Mrs. Rizzo. Mrs. Rizzo, who was that union-appointed representative, who is now testifying against certain courts. Oh, that For was no reason. so funny. <laughs> and she's like, she's always talking about her faith. <laughs> but I can't tell you any specific scenarios about it. Can I say, that's the thing that like makes this whole movie so absurd, is like it appears that Grace was on her best possible behavior always at school. Like, 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 literally, literally, like, like, aside from her being like really cool and positive, like you actually, I don't think any of her coworkers could tell you that it was because she was a Christian. Right. Like, cause like the ladies are, oh, she was always so positive and nice and so good. And they're like, then the other guy crosses is like, 
well, did she talk about God? Well, no, she never mentioned Jesus either. And it's like, what is, what are we doing here? Like, if you actually want to make this, (laughs) if you actually want to make this convincing, have this person be like evangelizing in the teacher's lounge or something. She's just constantly like, I don't know. I just am always happy all the time and never said anything. It's so stupid. Hot take. Hot take. Grace is probably one of the only redeemable characters in the movie in that she's just kind of, she's not a good character because she's not interesting, but she's fine, right? She never did anything wrong. No, she she never did up for what she believed. Yeah, Yeah, she's and then when she frankly, she's fine as a character. Yeah, when she didn't do anything wrong, she's like, I'm not saying I did that because I it's fine. And I didn't do what they're saying. Like nothing I did was it's literally not an issue. Why? Why is it's it's really like Grace is a redeemable character in a in a world that is a straw man. Like, that's the problem. It's like she's a fine and almost normal person. But the world that is constructed around her is just like this straw world. Right. And then this this movie goes to task just murdering the shit out of a straw man. Like yeah. it, it does this doesn't exist. <laughs> right. There aren't there aren't people like this. And I'm, it's just insane. There's so many there's so I actually think there's so many people like Grace and then there's no one else like the rest of the people in this movie almost. Yeah. yeah. Like, which is what makes it, which is actually what made me so, like, upset watching it is when it, when that scene happened, I was like, there's not more. Cause I didn't, like, have any, you know what I mean? I was just like, that's <laughs> right. it. Like, cause this, this sucks. Like, this is, you yeah. feel so persecuted if you think that, that, like, anyone in their right mind, probably the ACLU would be defending Grace and not the other way around yes. if someone even tried to get this to happen in real life. Like, right. Cause it makes no sense. And so, so this gets even crazier because then right after this scene, um, there's like Brooke watching Apex News, which is a fake news organization <laughs> in this. And it's just like this like news anchor media. just fucking railing into this crazy fundamentalist grace and how she's a religious extremist and all this stuff. This wouldn't fucking happen. Well, let's be fair. I, I, that does sound like the media. <laughs> <laughs> Let's let's oh not give God. too much credit to our to our propaganda machine. <laughs> here's here's an important question before we get any further. Um, so God's not dead too. Any of the characters? Fuck Mary Kill. Uh, I'll marry my wife, and um. Well, Your no, wife I'll, was in this movie? I'll marry the teacher because I can just say that's like close to my wife. I there guess. you go. There you go. I are there any other like girl like characters that aren't high schoolers? No. Is oh no. There no there's well, a there's a ton. Uh Amy. <laughs> Amy, right? No. Yeah, there you go. No, 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 no. I would I would bang the assistant to the lawyer who says like five lines. And then nice. and then I would kill I'd kill Brooke for her performance on the stand. The movie could have been over 20 minutes earlier if she would have just not done that. Yeah, well, I'm going to go ahead and say I'm uh, I'm definitely marrying uh, Tom. <laughs> All right. <laughs> the lawyer nice. is a good dude. I, I like him. I'm going to have to kill, of course, uh, Kane, you know, the ACLU lawyer, because uh, he hates God. Fair. Of course, um, of course. Oh, I take my kill back. Uh, I killed Michael Tate for his uh, Trump supportage. Yeah, I've, uh, I fucked Michael Tate. 
Okay. <laughs> One second here. Um, I'm okay. I'll admit what I'm doing, and I'm going to edit this out. Um, is I'm trying to double check the name of the one of these characters because I don't want to say the black teacher. <laughs> yeah. No, that's fair. That's why I'm trying to figure out what the fuck her name is. But these synopsis is basically cut her out because again, there is a massive, massive, massive cast. For no reason in this right. movie. Oh, that's because she doesn't have a name. <laughs> oh my god. Nice. She is called First Teacher nice. in the. That's... Well, maybe I'll keep this in then. Jesus what? Christ. Okay. She was on the other side of the table and every. I, still, I thought she was like the principal or something. Yeah, she's important. She's in more scenes than a lot of the. She's in more scenes than the newsboys. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, she's my Mary, but. Okay. <laughs> That's fucked up. Okay, um, so, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, oh, man, that, like, threw me for a loop, realizing how explicitly racist this movie is. Okay, so we've got on the stand, Black Teacher. <laughs> I was hoping to find that she had a name. And, you know, she's asked that, uh, about MLK, <laughs> which is... Even more. Sorry, so the name of the school is is uh, Martin Luther King Jr. School. And so they're is. asking her how she makes sense of the fact that Martin Luther King Jr. was, of course, the reverend. Hmm. Um, and she says that, um, oh, I just kind of separate those two things. I don't know, whatever. And then Tom is basically like, you wouldn't have been allowed to acknowledge MLK was a reverend in school if we follow your logic. Ha-ha-ha. <laughs> Facts are offensive to you. Bob. <laughs> Got him. And that's better. Um, and then he, he, Tom has this really great line where he goes like, one last question. When you uh, say that you want diversity and tolerance in your schools, should you add at the end of that, accept Christianity? And then the courtroom nice. goes fucking wild. Just get <laughs> fucking wrecked. Daughter ass. Facts don't care about your feelings, teacher number one. Oh, Destroyed man. with facts and reason. Yeah, first teacher. Um, and also, first, but first teacher goes ahead and says that Grace also uh, invited her to church one time. Ooh. And Grace received donations for Convoy of Hope, which is this uh, Christian organization that the movie made up. Which I, I, I was going to skip over until I really did want to address the fact that that is probably a focus on the family dog whistle. Which is like kind of different <laughs> right like well the, the like, other thing this is not just a religious organization a explicitly anti-gay organization <laughs> that has spent a lot of its time trying to make it that you like make it constitutional to bully gay kids yeah, yeah. there's a whole behind the bastards on it that just came out yeah yeah that was another thing that, like, just in the general scheme of how, like, absurd this movie is and its portrayal of everything is, like, if that Brooke was allowed to do this and it was a bad thing, that's entirely that principal who is being, like, on the stand right there. That's her fault for letting her do that and not, if it was against the rules, yeah. not being like, hey, you can't give to this organization because of whatever rules. Like, okay, fair enough. Like, I guarantee that teacher had to be like, hey, we're going to give money to this charity. Is that cool? And she would have had to say, yeah, that's cool. So, like, it would have been entirely right. her fault. Like, it goes, it once. Right, the teachers can't just, 
Yeah. Just donate for no reason. Which, like, you'd think, oh, that doesn't matter for a movie, except all the interviews around this movie are about how real life this movie is. So you can't pretend to be so real life and then, like, not follow real life processes. In the credits, they... Yeah, in the credits, they have this long list of here's all the court cases that we reference in it. There is a case from DMAC in there. Did you see that? I saw that. I did not. There's one from... I think around here in Illinois too, an ICC. Um, I I, I I will say I didn't Google those cases, but um, but uh, they're probably Christian. Bullshit. Yeah, the shitty Christians episode. I think they Googled the cases that were listed in the first step in the first movie, and they were like batshit dumb. <laughs> like nice. they were not like they were like not at all remotely equivalent. That's what. Well, that's what. Yeah, they weren't <laughs> the one from DMAC. We specifically looked, and it seemed like. Basically, there were LGBTQ like organizations on campus, and this guy like made signs that were having signs, and the guy would put signs next and be like, "Don't go, this is bad." And they said, "You have to take those down." And basically, he's like, "This violates my free," <laughs> like, "This violates my free speech." And whatever organization that they use that are like, "We're fighting for the free speech of everyone," like they're like, "Yeah, this does," and like the college, like they're just like, "I mean, yeah, I guess this does violate his free speech, so I guess you have to let him do this." Like it was the mo- like the most innocuous thing, like or that there was like he's like okay I guess but he was also I think the other thing is he he was posting them on like non I don't know when you go to a college there's like the bulletin board where you can post all the po- posters and he was not posting them on that so the ruling was like well as long as you post them on the posters like it is a public thing so sorry but he also can't he also <laughs> can't post them like on people's doors like he was doing or something like that like again right. the Speaking most of- the most innocuous case for like all sides where it's like yeah this guy is allowed technically to be a crappy person but he can only be a crappy person in like this place <laughs> right not even Speaking a full- of like the scale of all of this can we talk about how like every cutaway scene looked like a courthouse in dc like the capitol building like this had gone to the supreme court oh yeah oh that's a whole ass other thing because really like the movie seems to be convinced in like telling us that this is just some like middle america like yeah like just just small town midwestern right we're setting a precedent though yeah and and that's not okay where the fuck in the midwest could you, in the small town, or, like, s- suburban Midwest, could you find any group of kids that would get pissed at a teacher for referencing Jesus? It's even better. It's no even way. better. This isn't Little Rock, Arkansas. It's not even Midwest. It's Bible Belt. Oh, oh shit. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's, There's no way. Yeah. It's Bible Belt. This is, like, Jerry Falwell Jr., like, fucking belt. Like, this <laughs> right. is... I don't... Uh, that's what see. made it suck so much to me is like like this doesn't even happen where oh. you're talking about it being from like at least set the movie so, in right. new york or california and make us at least believe it you know what i mean like exactly there's all sorts so, of crazy people there I'm, I'm gonna bring in the pastor again real quick because what happens in the next scene is the pastor is out to eat he's he's a juror uh he's on the jury And some guy, like, he's talking to a bunch of people in his church, and basically he's just telling them, like, oh, fuck, I can't tell you a lot about this case I'm in, but, like, Christians are under attack, man. And a friend of mine says that, like, you know, well, one of them mentions a friend of mine saying that they're subpoenaing sermons from the last few months for review. 
Um, and there's a whole, like, name-dropping of, like, the moral majority. I, I think it's a silent majority, but uh, that's so gross. I, yeah. Yeah, that's that's icky. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so he's like, man, we gotta, like, stand up for our faith and stuff. And, you know, he, he goes ahead and he says, the gospel gets in the way of what a lot of powerful people want. And we make enemies of people for being Christians. Which and is so I, I want, untrue. Well, it's so untrue, but I... I I'm thinking of this, okay, I'll, I'll theology brain here real quick. There's this essay uh, from this this theologian, Stanley Hauerwas, um, where he he was uh, he, he was confronted with, he was asked the question whether or not gay people should be allowed in the military. Um, and then he does this weird essay where he just doesn't reply to that question at all. Nice. And he's basically like, hey, uh, Christianity is doing a shitty job and that gays are better Christians than we are. Because the state is afraid of them. Because the state won't let them in the military. And we're not actually challenging anything in any meaningful way. And I, th- I thought of that a lot. Because when they're saying the, the gospel gets in the way of what a lot of powerful people want. I agree with that in, as a, like, a lefty kind of Christian person. But I don't agree with that in the way they're saying it. Yeah. I agree with that. The fact that does not get in the way of what powerful people want. No, it in fact enforces evangelicalism is run by powerful people. I remember. I remember. There's something I read similar recently. Over everything in my life right now is like run on pre-quarantine or uh, post-quarantine, and so like this has been since quarantine has happened. But it was like people should be offended by like how much Christians like are loving people. Like any people, like like the thing that should be mm-hmm. something that like is like you should be like so I don't know radically loving to like homeless people that that upsets mm-hmm. like cops about how you're treating homeless people, which I've seen I've seen people that do that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's what should be upsetting to you, not the fact that you want this taught in school, like or what whatever. Yeah. Like she's not even teaching it in yeah. school. That's a horrible example because that's what this movie is saying it's about, but it's not. Like any, any good AP history teacher would say exactly what she said, but like the whole point of like Christianity is like, it should be so offensive because of how you're loving people. Like that's a teaching from Jesus. It's not because, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm just talking about this thing. And people don't want to hear it. Like tons of people want to hear what you have to say. Your te- your te- <laughs> it's right. not. It's not that you were like a dick news. to a gay person. Millions, millions <laughs> like... of people want to hear what you're saying, especially what evangelicals are saying, because it's a prosperity gospel. Yeah, is literally yeah. it's a prosperity gospel for the middle class. Like it's which is what this guy I assume is teaching. Maybe not. That was one thing the church he has because this is all for people who listen to the newsboys and worship music was definitely a mainline church that I, looked like an Episcopal church because it had the eagle altar. I'm not sure. That's so fucking weird because the movie is totally portraying them as evangelical, but I think that it just like looks pr- like well because mainline churches look prettier. I think that's which is it. fine, but because, like it was well, almost I mean, it's yeah. all very clearly. A, like higher upper middle class too right like yeah. yeah but those people love going to churches in like i don't know movie theaters and stuff like they're chill with that like oh yeah well yeah. i mean you look at the school you look at brooke brooke and her family you know her her dad had a new bmw her mom was driving out in a lexus there are no poor there are no poor people in this movie that no. is for sure and no, i would you know, i would true. say there there are no like middle it's upper middle class and above where the movie starts this is one of the like things that in my like more recent like 
I don't think evangelicalism is for me is like I don't consider myself poor at all. I also make significantly yeah. less money than anyone at the church I was going to or was in like Bible study with. Yeah. By like like yeah. I almost thought that my decision to like I'm going to try to like play music and just not make as much music and work another job like part-time to like fill in the gaps was like quaint to them, which is nothing that's like necessarily yeah. their yeah. fault, but I was like I don't fit in with this because I'm not trying to accomplish the same thing. Like I would live this right. lifestyle the rest of my life. I can pay all my bills. Right. I can play gigs. I can yeah. whatever. And like, it is a super, as evidenced by this movie, like there are no even remotely poor people in this movie. Like, cause they would consider me I, probably yeah. poor and there is no one like me in this movie at all. And I don't yeah. think I'm yeah. poor. I make plenty of money. I get to do what I want. Like I right. get to play gigs, right. bet on sports and go to concerts. My life is fine. Like, you know, and that type of person is not in here at all. It is upper middle class at worst. Yeah. Yeah. Not even like middle, like not even like middle class people there. Like, and I'm, I'd probably call myself middle class, but like the, the poorest of the poor there are, are doing all right. Yeah. Like, I don't think, I don't know if my parents have seen this movie or not, and I probably won't ever ask them, but I don't think my parents are represented and I don't consider them poor either, but they're not in the class yeah. of people that are in this movie whatsoever no, it's, it's made for a very so they realize the best way to tackle this case that they're totally losing mm-hmm. is by going at this from a historical approach because obviously Jesus was a historical figure so just acknowledging his his existence isn't about faith it's not in the establishment clause it's whatever whatever so obviously. you know Cain will never see it coming is what Tom says what so idiot's uh, not see it coming by the way continue yeah Oh, oh, for fucking real. Okay, because if this is supposed to be the parody of the Scopes Monkey Trial type shit, they knew this from a mile away that this was going to be a show trial thing where they were going to start debating the Bible. Anyway. Okay, so they decide to approach it from a historical perspective. Um, And so it comes to the uh, the courtroom, and they have dragged in none other than Lee Strobel. Lee Strobel saved my faith in high school, so... (laughs) Man, Lee Strobel is author of Case for Christ and Case... What what other case movie books? He's he's the author of the Case for, like, series. Like, he made a whole thing. It's it's this evangelical apologetics defense... (laughs) Defense of Christianity series. He's a really famous author. It's like, it was just, you know, this. he was put in this movie so that the evangelicals would stand up and start clapping. He's the you know, most, like that he's was, the most right. famous of the uh, apologist people now, I would say. By yeah. far. And, like, this yeah, was kind of a ridiculous thing Craig. to put in put in the witnesses, right? Like, all these these very specifically Christian apologists. That's what I said. Oh, yeah. I wrote that in my notes. And also, like, how is this 
uh, ACLU lawyer not objecting every single question. Like, I know we're not right. going for realism here, but like everything, it's like, what does this happen? Like, he's not even trying yeah, to he put was, in. He the, was super liberal with all the uh, with all the objections too. Yeah, like mm-hmm. he's not like just not in where they actually would have helped. Yeah, and and I, I don't want to go ahead and point out where Lee Strobel starts this debate is that he, he says that the the execution of Christ is a fact. Because the calendar is divided in BC AD. That was Which the weirdest thing. That was the weirdest thing. That is He said some interesting th- things and but he started off with the most absurd one you could come up with. Like right. Yeah, it's like like I, I'm a big history guy. Like like it is pretty much a historical fact that there was a man named Jesus that was alive at that time. That, yeah. that, that that's not that that's that's not really debated much in the historical world. Nobody really is. This <laughs> claiming otherwise, you know, they're disputing the resurrection and that that, that person was God, but no, nobody thinks that that person doesn't exist. And I, I, I don't know, like that, that Lee Strobel's fine for making those points, but why the fuck did he start in the fact that like, oh, you know how like uh, this calendar that was organized around Christian, like Roman Christianity, of course, placed the like center of Christianity around their God. Well, also, <laughs> it doesn't but, prove but anything. It's such a classic, like evangelical zing. Yeah, like that oh takes one like, second to take down. Like, be like, yo, it doesn't yeah. even, it doesn't even match up. Like. <laughs> It, 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 yeah, it, yeah. it doesn't no, even match That's up. what I was thinking the whole time. Is like most historians don't think that Jesus was born or died around the time that the Roman calendar believes he did. It doesn't even match up with like the the gospels that pay attention to like timelines the most. You know, like Luke. Though, right. it doesn't Though, even match fair. up with like the timeline of who he says is like in charge of like Jerusalem and like all that stuff at that time. It like doesn't even match up. It doesn't make sense. Like to use that. It's so stupid. It's so stupid. It's so stupid. Though to be fair, in the context of the movie and the trial itself, what they were trying to prove was not necessarily that Christianity is real so much as some of these events did ha- these are uh, these events are part of history and the Bible yeah, should I- have credibility as a historical document. Again, this is me ranting about the murdering a straw man, though, because yes. it's like there there are very few people that like well, very few people educated in in Roman history who deny that a man named Jesus existed. I'll have to or I'll have to say if, I didn't see the first God's not dead. At le- as much as it's a caricature and like absurd, the premise of that movie about college professors trying to get you to lose your faith actually makes more sense to me than the premise of this movie. The, the, I, I I've been oh, saying no question. That. I've been saying I mean, there, that, there are like, some crazy college professors. Yeah, I, I will say like I don't imagine a college professor legally being allowed to make everybody sign a thing that says God's dead. Right, that's absurd. But, For right. sure, that's absurd. But on the whole, like I've had asshole atheist professors. Like, I'm not, like, that's not uncommon, but these movies get progressively more absurd as they go. The first movie's absurdity, I think, comes mostly in, well, I guess in its plot. Yeah. <laughs> the inciting in everything inc- about yeah. it. The inciting incident might be able to happen, but uh, yeah, anyway. But it would the, never the, get to that level. Like, even no. just the, the 15 people in a boardroom staring yeah. down... A teacher and her, you know, union appointed lawyer. Yeah, this is like um, this is the whole thing. Like, 
this even like to tie back into like the creationism like type thing it's just the whole like it's building this conspiracy minded thought like why are so many evangelicals like attached to like QAnon it's like building this conspiracy minded thought because we're all like this is obviously not true with two seconds of thinking like of just thinking how would a school board work how would all these different things work how many people would not sign up for that professor's class give him bad reviews and be like yo this dude sucks he tried to make a sign of paper that said god is dead and his like whoever the department head coming in and being like hey man that's dumb don't do that anymore <laughs> but instead they're like this is the world it's so against you. Your life is hard. So that if mm-hmm. someone who was an AP... And it's all systematic. Yeah. Someone who was an AP history teacher who does go to an evangelical church is like all of a sudden scared to talk about a historical Jesus in basically this exact same right. way. And like that's... Cr- and thinking I'm being oppressed when like not even close. Like... <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. You can say that and be completely fine. And it's this whole, the conspiracy-minded thought is like almost how it's allowed to continue. So so, so going on with the persecution complex, I'll throw in, at this point in the plot, in the side plot, the pastor is getting his sermon subpoenaed by the state. Like, like that was a crazy-ass plot line. And then he refuses to hand them in. Um, Is... And we'll get to that later, but Jesus Christ, this doesn't happen. No, almost everyone. There would be like, what, 10% of the population that would be like, yeah. And then 90% would be like, please don't, whether they were atheist or not. Okay, you know what? I'm going to fucking pull this card. Do you know the last time that media actually freaked out about a pastor um, on like, you know, fucking like the news. There was like a big state reaction, at least in my memory, was Jeremiah Wright, who was the black pastor of Barack Obama. It was from the right. It was the it was the pastor who said, God damn America. (laughs) (laughs) It was the left wing pastor pastor. That's the only time this shit has actually happened. Well, and I think I think subtly under this, the only thing that people actually care about in culture that churches are preaching is like anti like gay stuff, like or anti LGBTQ yeah. stuff, which like and and like I think I've seen like you tweet about it and like other people. It's like evangelicalism is not Christianity. There's plenty of people who like don't believe this, <laughs> like. And, like, somehow yeah. evangelical is taking the claim on, like, if you're Christian, like, you don't believe. You're not affirming, basically. Which is, like, I think a, yeah. a thing that's, like, subtly, especially if you go back to what, this was in 2016. When did when when, when did the mm-hmm. Supreme Court uh, pass the Equality for Marriage? Burgefell, um, 2015. Okay. It was the year before. It seems to me that something has to be under the surface of all of this. It's like, they're coming for you, and they're not like, uh, specifically the sermon thing, not like the church thing. It's like, they're coming for your yeah. sermons next. Like, that's like the big thing to look mm-hmm. for. Yeah. Which I can think. Th- this I think, movie is a giant dog whistle. Yeah. Like, absolutely. Which I think, like, yeah. Like, I think if you're preaching that, like, your opinion sucks. But, like, if you want to, I guess, like, whatever. Like, even, not that, yeah, like, yeah. Pod Save America is, like, the, the voice for the left, but I remember when certain cases about, like, people who were like, I'm not making a cake for your wedding or whatever because you're gay or whatever. They're just like, I don't know, like, I guess that should be upheld, even though it sucks. Like, 
like basically people's art you know what i mean which like kind of i don't agree with that necessarily but they almost were making the same slippery like slope argument but that's what seems to Mm -hmm. me to be this huge undercurrent of the sermon thing without actually saying it because that comes out of nowhere the sermon part yeah like the the state doesn't give any justification for why the fuck they're subpoenaing a bunch of like christian things and i guess the implication is that we're in this like weird totalitarian state that hates christianity i mean my guess i think it's a setup for the third movie right it is yeah it is but i think the whole idea is you have to go back for that time like and like when it was made because that was like the yeah the biggest issue and like i think that's when all these like uh like cake companies and photography companies saying like no we won't shoot your wedding because you're gay I think that was when yeah. all these course like cases were like going to the Supreme Court, basically. Like I think it's like yeah, a huge yeah. undercurrent. And Ho- like, Hobby this. Lobby is a few years before this, I'm pretty sure too, which we've talked right. about on the show. Um, it's like moving back to just kind of pushing our way through the end of the plot here. Um, they also drag in. Um, I don't remember his name, but this homicide detective who wrote about mm-hmm. Jesus, James Warner Wallace. Um, yeah who's fine i guess i don't like i don't have any beef with him it's just that this movie makes me mad because i get mad at the setting but like the people really aren't that bad i don't hate them necessarily it's just the setting that they're being put in i don't know go ahead i don't know what they said was fine but it's what got me is just like you're a witness in a court case right now and you're just like you know giving a talk yeah yeah that like Aside from Mike Huckabee being in it, which was completely unnecessary. (laughs) Like, both of his scenes were, like, fine, except that their whole point, I think, is they're trying to make a serious courtroom drama, and then all of a sudden this great lawyer on the other side just lets them just spout off whatever they want on the stand, having Mm -hmm. nothing to do with the case. Like... Yeah. And also that the other lawyer... Think about how interesting this movie would have been if they cut out one of the side characters and actually had the ACLU lawyer bring on, like, an atheist. Oh, Mm. for real. Uh, To, like, actually go back and forth on these things. Like, that would actually be interesting. Let all the... Oh, that... Let all the... Let Lee Strobel and this other guy have the last word. Like, go Lee Strobel, atheist, this other guy. And, like, let the atheist get smoked in cross-examination. But at least let him, like, come up and make it, like, interesting. Yeah, the, right. the, yes, the movie does not do a, have anybody who accurately represents any atheist I've ever met in my entire fucking life. I like um I love though that homicide scene just because Kane goes up to so the homicide detective. What's his name again? Um Warner Wallace. You you knew it. I was on w- Wikipedia, Wallace. so <laughs> oh, okay. Uh Kane, Kane gets up to Wallace and he's like but aren't there contradictions in the Gospels? And then Wallace is like, yep, that's what we should suspect, like, we should expect. And then suddenly, like, you can see, like, the eyeballs, like, come out of Kane's like, eyes, and he's like, well, what? <laughs> like, I wouldn't expect that one. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't do anything. Which is, which is, okay, I think I have such a fucking beef about apologetics as a whole, because they, they like, whenever people are trying to defend Christianity, they recruit things like that, and then mm-hmm. ditch them the instant people actually buy Christianity. They'll be like, well, you know, the Bible's not literal until somebody buys into Christianity. And then they're like, mm-hmm. but it is absolutely literal. Because it's mm-hmm. easier to make the argument when you don't have to deal with those issues. Yeah. Or they'll like, also, they'll go full apologetics, but not go into like historiosity. 
So like they'll be like, oh, like here's all this stuff, but not like, oh, maybe the people who wrote something two thousand years ago mean something different than we would mean today. Like that's oh, that's yeah, not that's, true. That's a whole exegesis is a whole other thing. Yeah. Anyway, at this moment near the end, oh no, no more witnesses, <laughs> and then fucking Brooke bursts into everything. The room. Bursts into the courtroom. <laughs> Brooke bursts in, and she's like. You know, oh my god, this is so fucked up. I, I should have said, at the at this time, she, she's been outside protesting. All of the kids have been outside protesting. Peacefully. Um, which is, peacefully, mm-hmm. which is so fucking funny. Because <laughs> there's this, the b- most bizarre optics, where it's all these old people yelling at the young Christian kids. Which, like, optically, is, it's so hard to explain to you how weird it was to me to watch. Because I was like, this would definitely be the other way around. In, in, in mm-hmm. any fucking real world. Uh, I, I, I don't know. It, it was very bizarre. Anyway, and also... Uh, Nate, Nate, Nate... Fa- yeah, Nate uh, also found the funniest fucking sign. Oh my gosh. Scene. It's the perfect sign. <laughs> I was going through... And just watch, and it's this sign, and if anyone knows the Pink Floyd logo, basically like going through the prison, and it's the old people, it's the counter-protesters against the Christian protesters, and it's that sign, and it says, hey, preacher, leave our kids alone. And it made me laugh so hard when I was watching it. I Snapchatted it to everyone. It is so funny. Absolutely worth the pause. Whoever thought of that, putting that in the movie, I wish I could meet them and shake their hand, regardless of what their positions are on anything else in life, because that made me laugh so fucking hard. So good. So good. Okay, okay, so Brooke has burst in. She, she was protesting outside, but she's come in. She's burst in, and then Tom decides in this, like, last-ditch effort to fucking bring Brooke up as a witness. Boo. So Brooke, Brooke testifies. Before just, like... Just like non non committally asking, is there anything she could do to fuck us over? Nah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and then she goes ahead and fucks everything up. <laughs> so she comes up, and then she, you know, she's like, "Yep, this is what happened. It wasn't a big deal." But then Kane gets up, and she goes. Well, did she ever try to share her faith with you? And and Brooke goes, well, uh, she wasn't trying to share it at that moment. And then Kane, like fucking again, eyes get really big, dilating like a cat when it's Just about to attack you. And she's, yeah, and she's like, at that moment, did she ever try to share your her faith with you? And she's like, well, she did mention Jesus when my brother died. And then the fucking court's just like, oh shit. Dun, dun, oh dun. shit. Oh man. <laughs> and so Tom is like going to Grace and he's like, what the fuck didn't you tell me this? And then Grace is like, well, you didn't ask. And he's like, I'm your fucking lawyer. You're supposed to tell me that shit anyway. That's what he said in the movie. <laughs> Except he also ex- he explicitly did ask. It's <laughs> it. And so basically Kane is able to be like, well, without Grace's involvement, Brooke never would have asked the question in the first place. And then like, yeah, a good point. Basically, basically, yeah, makes this whole ass case, which is like a decent point, I guess. But stupid still. It's stupid that we're even here at this. Yeah, point. I should right. say that it all comes back to that. 
And so Tom's like, oh shit, the jury thinks we lied to them. And Grace is like, but we didn't. And then they're going to lose. And oh shit. And then, oh fuck, the thing we've left out. The pastor's appendix bursts. Oh yeah. <laughs> For jury. no goddamn For reason. no reason. And so he's, he, you know, things are looking really bad. Because now the pastor that was in the jury... He's not in the jury anymore. He's out having his appendix removed in the hospital and watching but, everything on live on TV. And it gets worse. There's a chick, oh, no. this chick who has multi-colors, multiple colors in her hair is on the and jury now. And two-tone lipstick. Ooh. Yep, this is definitely a godless pagan. Uh, I mean, obviously. She either doesn't it's... believe in God or believes in too many gods, but she's not in the <laughs> Christian camp. Couldn't right. be. Throughout, throughout, they, they plant her very early on because she was just in the audience. And, you know, yeah. as you do, you just kind of pick someone from the audience as your next juror. But, <laughs> hey, this guy's appendix um, first. Can you serve on the jury? Volunteers? <laughs> so, but every time she appears, not to spoil anything, but she's just a little less punt. So, uh, meanwhile, during all this shit, the pastor's in the hospital watching the news about the case. Uh, One thing I want to throw in, and then also there's this point where, you know, Grace is, like, really uh, just tired and exhausted at her home. And then a bunch of people that support her show up and sing uh, uh, How Great Thou Art. Is that the name of the song? The hymn. Which I'll admit kind of gave me some emotion. Yeah. I was... There were, <laughs> but only because I like the hymn. I was a little bit inebriated when I watched this, and there were two parts that like gave me some emotion, and that was one of them. But the other thing that was really funny mm-hmm. to me, uh, this is, again, why I went to school for a music degree, is that everyone is singing in unison, except there's one voice in the whole thing that is singing a harmony part out of like all those things they're, it's not like it's not like they decided to just have a choir sing and like dub that over they're like no everyone sing unison except for one person and there's one random <laughs> harmony that's like floating throughout the, like the whole scene of all these people singing together and it just really made me laugh like really hard all right who knows how to sing harmony <laughs> you can almost see it being like the shit the, the one dude like like in real life if like your youth group was like gonna go sing at your pastor's house or whatever like showing up and one dude being like you guys do that and i'll do this and be like no dude brian come on dude just sing the part and he's like no 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 i know the harmony it'll be fine like i bet that's what happened but it was so funny that there's always that one guy because they obviously recorded that part in a studio and instead of just mm-hmm. being like let's all be unison they'd be like except for you can you please add one harmony part <laughs> uh so then oh there's this thing i don't even want to get into this but there's a weird appearance of mike huckabee on the tv (laughs) i don't even it's just bizarre and so then we're, we're at the last day of the court and, and Tom walks in with some fucking swagger. Like it's, it's weird. Cause it's like one of the only moments in this movie that he looks kind of cool. He's like, he's got he comes his in suit on. Yeah. He's fucking, he is wearing a, I don't even remember if he's actually, or if I imagined that he was wearing a pair of aviators, but that's in my head. And he like chucks him to the it's side and he's now. like, He's like, fuck it. I call Grace Wesley to the stand. And everyone's like, what the fuck? Get her ass. Because she opened Grace the door with like a stripper the, on his the... arm and just. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking. 
crazy. And then he goes, and I would like to treat her as a hostile witness. And everyone's like, oh, shit. But that's your client. But, Why but is his, your client a hostile witness? But his it's rationale because he's about to emotionally abuse she, her. <laughs> she stepped out and she was like, but, but I don't want to. Do I have to be your witness? And he was like, not only do you have to be my witness, but judge... Treat her as a hostile witness. So he, he gets her on the stand and just kind of yells at her. Basically. Like, it was so That's weird. what it breaks down to. Okay. And I, I want to pause and, and reference, if you haven't seen the first movie, the first movie ends with the kid screaming at the professor, telling him, like, why do you hate God? Why do you hate God? And it's like this big moment, whatever. It seems like they're trying to recreate that moment again. But in this time, it's aimed at the good guy. And I don't feel like... I felt like at the end of the scene, I don't know what it accomplished. No, right. I was so confused <laughs> watching it. I was just like, okay, I guess. I, I guess it was that he wanted to persecute her and like make her a martyr in front of everybody. And everybody realized how crazy they were for going after yeah. her, I guess. Like, that was the... The way it was framed, I don't know. The stupidest part, well, I guess I'll spoil the ending, but the stupidest part is yeah. how afterwards she wasn't like, hey man, fuck you. She was like, oh, you're my friend and helped me. Thank you. Like, she just, it, without even knowing about the strategy, she was just like, so, oh, like, mm-hmm. this, like, you got, like, I'm off. This is great. Thank you so much for what you did. Instead of being like, hey man, that really sucked. I'm really lucky that they, like, ruled in favor of me. <laughs> It, it, it's it's hard to explain this scene without somebody just seeing it but basically yeah he, he tell he just like interrogates her about being a christian for a while and about how crazy she is that she hears god and that she should be killed praise and then and then yeah. he's making it more absurd to show them how absurd it is he's, he's like we should fucking kill her we should just destroy her life and then and then he goes like i have nothing but contempt for these proceedings and la-di-da-di-da um, and then they just go into deliberation with that hanging in the air. Mm-hmm. He just throws his temper tantrum. It's stupid. And then we move on. <laughs> it's so dumb. Meanwhile, the newsboys are playing a concert. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, I wish they would have yeah. been playing Breakfast as the intro song. It, oh, fuck. Yeah, it, it, Amy, the cancer girl, calls the newsboys and has everyone pray about Grace and... God, this movie sucks. <laughs> I'm like getting mad at my notes. <laughs> the okay, the jury finds great Grace Wesley not guilty. We're adjourned, and then edgy girl with the hair. The thing we've zoomed in on through this whole fucking movie for some reason. Best. She part. walks up to Grace and gives her like an affirming nod, like "What's up?" Uh, and then walks out, and then we see on the back of her neck. That she had a cross tattoo. She was a fucking Christian the whole time. It's the it's the, and it's the it's, Christian it's equivalent. To note. Oh, it's sorry. It's the Christian equivalent of the OJ trial where the black jurors give OJ the black power sign. Like that's like the like, <laughs> like that's what we're going for with that scene. Just like no, I'm here with you. It's 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 so bad because it's it's a it's a a plot device type thing that only works on the target audience for this movie. Oh yeah. Right. Because nowhere does, uh, at least nobody I've met thinks sees somebody with colored hair and then thinks that person certainly cannot be a Christian. 
Right, but you, the only people that would work on is evangelicals who think that person can't be a Christian, and then there's like a fucking twist. Straight up, I don't think right, I've ever met anyone worse. and thought that person can't be a Christian. I don't know anything yeah. in my brain that would put yeah. it that way. D- yeah, and even worse, as it was, as they were going towards it, so like every scene they showed her, she was less and less punk. She started out with like the two color lipstick, and by the time you got to that last scene, her hair was down. She had red lipstick on, like she was the least yeah. punk she'd ever been. I didn't in the notice movie. that. That's funny. Jesus. Yeah, no, it's like every time she comes up, it's just something else is is different and it's a little subtler. So, so at this moment, wow. Grace is held onto her faith. She's an inspiration. Ha ha. Brooke comes up and she's like, you've kept quiet long enough. Why don't you share the good news? And so then Brooke uh, kind of comes out, steps out into the, the front where all the protesters are. And instead of saying, I got off, I got off not guilty or something like that. She says, God's not dead. And then everybody cheers. Which does not make any sense. (laughs) (laughs) I would be pretty baffled if I was at a protest and then the person we were protesting on behalf came out and instead of saying any update just was like, here's the thing I believe. And everybody's like, yeah, sure. Okay. I forget. Uh, so the ACL, now when you now when God. you're saying that, I for, like it's so much more absurd in the movie that the guy's like, I'm gonna prove God's dead, and then there and then the prosecution is like fighting for like I think the historical Jesus is real, and that the ACLU <laughs> lawyer somehow loses that case in the middle of that because <laughs> those aren't the same argument <laughs> at all. <laughs> at, oh, at all. God. So so. Speaking of that, so that at this point the ACLU is grumpily walking away, uh, Kane makes some comment about uh, Tom's shoes. Um, <laughs> as they're walking away, they're like, "Man, I can't believe we lost that." And then the, again, the the female intern of the ACLU, who's not been Her allowed first a single line. single line in this movie, goes. Yeah, I mean, Tom proved the existence of Jesus Christ. And then Kane looks at her like she's just a fucking parasite. <laughs> like he's going to fucking murder her. <laughs> and then we hear the music. And it plays. And then it says in, in beautiful letters, join the movement. Text everyone you know, God's not dead. <laughs> Unrelated to, unrelated to that, I'm going to read a text I received from Jared two or three hours ago, which says God's not dead. I love that. That's so funny. And we did it. We reached the end of the movie. Let's let's give oh a quick a sentence take on this movie. From everyone, because we've we've got to wrap up. This is going to be like a four hour episode. No, we only start at ten oh seven. We're only at three. Not even pussy. Come on, it's fine. Okay. (laughs) Persecution complex gone wild, but at least God's still alive. And the movie sucks. Jared, Jared, uh, give us a haiku. (laughs) Um. God's not dead. He's surely alive. I am now born again. 
And it's pretty good, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, our first merch is I want that haiku on a t-shirt. <laughs> I'm, sure oh, I'm sure they've copyrighted the phrase God's not dead at this point. Certainly. Surely. Um, my take is a question, actually, which I know the answer to, but it's a rhetorical question. Uh, how the fuck did this movie get made? Dude. <laughs> that's that's my take on <laughs> Because we need people, as they say in every single YouTube interview, we need people to be aware of what it's like in the world right now and how hard it is to be a Christian and the need to stand up for you your You gotta faith. join the fight. This is a oh, war. Yeah. This is like a big deal going right. on, right? How much the newsboys talked about what was happening on college campuses, as if that matters to the newsboys at all, anyway, was so stupid to me. I can't... The thing that made me even more upset in this movie is how much time I lost trying to find why this movie was made and watching every single person <laughs> say the same stupid fucking thing for every interview. So God. sucked. I just wanted one person to be like, hey, I heard this song and I thought it was good, so that gave me the thesis for my book, or something like that. And no one would admit it, but I know it's because of that song. It's like in the middle right now, so oh, yeah. but it's very interesting. All right, we're back. Do we do do we want to go ahead and skip Twitter news? Or I think the only thing that No 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 stop 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 This was an executive discussion dislike moment. This wasn't the start. So in okay, well, news, I, I, I guess other... we're, I, I guess we're, yeah, I guess we're starting. I guess uh, <laughs> Jer- Jared has a new Twitter account. That's that's the Twitter news. Oh, I didn't get a mention on Twitter yeah, because that's a word Underscore E. <laughs> Clayton Kershaw blew up in the game tonight, and that's funny as hell. So yeah, baseball. But I was at work, so I couldn't tweet through it. You can find me at underscore H, underscore E, underscore L, underscore L, underscore, 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 O, underscore. <laughs> okay. Well, we're doing things out of order, I guess. Uh, Nate, Nate. What's up? Why don't, why don't you give us an advertisement for our Patreon? Oh, another, oh shit, for the Patreon? All right. Okay. All right. Very legal, very cool, this podcast that you've already been listening to needs to make money, otherwise it will die. And the best way to give it money is by subscribing to their Patreon. There are many tiers you can subscribe to, but the best tier is the $10 tier, where, for a month straight, they will go directly to your Twitter.com profile and roast the shit out of you for as long as they can with another random person that you've never met. Bad for your self-esteem? Maybe. Bad for their pocketbook? Absolutely. So please... Subscribe to the very legal, very cool <laughs> Patreon account. <laughs>
That's awesome. And since there is no one that is subscribed currently, they are going to spend the next, I don't know, however long, roasting my tweets instead. Yeah, so we, I got this uh, this person who's not a patron but wants to be roasted. It's at NateT93. Go ahead and take a look at his Twitter account. <laughs> See what we got going on here. I'd like to note that he is still resting on the laurels of the meme he made way back in August <laughs> as his pin tweet. Like, we get it. You went mildly viral, and you won't shut up about it. It was way more viral on Facebook, though. I got over 1,000 shares Uh, on Facebook. Which is sad. (laughs) I I was going to say... That's not uh, better. You understand how that's not better, right? I was going to say, he he used to have his name as Spooky Josiah Sutton, and he recently changed it to Clayton Kershaw's Tenants, which is funny, but... um, It's actually very funny. For the record, I, I believe you. I'm sure if I, uh, if I, yeah, anyway, but his bio is still based around his old uh, bit. It says, It's me, Spooky Josiah. I love spo- sports so much because that is what Josiah Sutton does, just in a spooky way uh, when I rule it violin. I, to be fair though, um, to be totally fair, I think that's actually hilarious. So, thank you. You can keep it. <laughs> I thought of something to change it to uh, earlier during the podcast, and now I forgot again, so I'll have to listen to the whole episode just to find it. <laughs> I'm trying to take um, a look at his likes, see if we find anything here. He did like the meme I made for the Very Legal, Very Cool account. <laughs> he, he did like, Nick, uh, Nick uh, tweeted, uh, why the crap did nobody tell me this is an election year? <laughs> <laughs> Very good tweet. I need to I need to go here and roast him, and yet I'm finding good shit. I have. Good. Let me be clear. Right. I know we're not doing pluggables yet, but I have a very good Twitter.com profile. If if I do say so myself. Great. Well-rounded. We oh, have baseball, politics, all in one scroll of the mouse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is a so weird. You know, if you guys want to yeah. follow, um, you know. A bit too many brands shoved into one account. <laughs> uh, you, you can follow at Nate if you want uh, baseball and theology and politics and specifically Iowa politics. In every fucking sport you can imagine thrown in. <laughs> gambling i that's funny you can also uh march 10th is also the day that you can define when i decided to start getting political on twitter because that's when coronavirus started (laughs) and they took away every single sport so i was like well i can't tweet about this then i was like hey nothing else to do then all of a sudden i was like boy the political situation in this country is really fucked up it turns around i should stop watching so many sports (laughs) truly sports is the opiate of the masses Sports are taken away, and he's like, "Did you guys realize Trump is did president? You, did you guys know how bad all of this is? This is really bad. Jeez, I've been watching all this baseball, but this country is really fucked right now. That's the true evil of baseball. That's great. Well, guys, this is just plugs, and then we're done. Perfect. No, no, what? That's not even the right theme song. Ooh, here, what's trending?
What a sense. Wow. Well, plugs and then we're done. And we got to be done because I'll be honest, uh, I don't usually drink liquor. Liquor? Uh, on this podcast for a reason. Barely even know her. Smart. And I'm regretting it. So let's get this wrapped up. Or I'm going to get more and more not. You're such a lightweight. Uh, because I've had two. Th- yeah, come I, on, man. I've had an IPA and two things of liquor. No one could even tell. I, even I, leave I've it, had a lot of leave, things. Dude, I drink like half a bottle of Crown. Okay, let's not leave a review this. for the podcast if you think Josiah is a big old lightweight. Give it a five star and then yeah. just comment how big yeah. old lightweight you think he is. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, 69. plugs. Plugs. Uh, should I go first? Well, yeah, Nate. Yeah. Go. All right. Because I have to think of something. <laughs> shit. I'll plug a few things since it's my moment in the sun here. First of all, again, my Twitter profile, which apparently is too good to roast, at NateT93. Have fun there. I also play in a bunch of Des Moines area bands. Um, I suppose Kickstart the Sun would be one to check out. I play in a band with Josiah called Caldoon. My w- Which I muted out in the second <laughs> yeah, episode. I bleeped it you out. Dox yourself. Uh, well, I was I was trying to decide if I wanted my last name on the show yet. And, and, and anyway, and if somebody looked up the podcast, I could find my last name. That, that's that, no, that's anyway, fair. Uh, and then my <laughs> wife and I have a the thing that will probably come out soon is my wife and I have a project that's just L and N music, and we're gonna hopefully have a Christmas EP out. Um, That'll be cool. That's all about me. Other things to plug. Um, my friends in Vermilion Heights, their band out of Minnesota, they put out a really good album. Um, it was on, it was like a month ago. And there is a song on there called, my Spotify is decided not to load right now. Sorry. Change Your Mind by Vermilion Heights. That absolutely rules. And I don't know. I'd plug just learning, listening to podcasts and stuff. There's so many good ones out there. I like... (laughs) (laughs) This is nonsense. (laughs) I forgot the other one, and I was hoping to ramble to get to where it was because I've been thinking about it all day, and I completely lost it. (laughs) So go listen to podcasts, and maybe you'll find the one that I was going to recommend on this podcast. (laughs) Wait, Nate. (laughs) Nate, how long how long have you been in Kickstart the Sun? Uh, since uh, he, he wasn't in it when you saw yeah. him. Okay, I was gonna say. Yeah, I joined after like 2017, I think. Okay. Yeah. Um, there there was a show that we played with Kicks that that uh my old band, The World Is Flat, played with Kickstart, oh, yeah. and Jared was there for that. Yep. Uh, but that was before yep. you. I was I was a recent addition. Um. As of yeah, their bass player left because he moved to Memphis, and then I was also. In, it's funny that I never met Josiah before, like whatever, like a year and a half or two years ago. It's so weird that that didn't happen. We know, yeah. like, and have played shows with all the same bands. But I did. I moved away for like two years to be in another band, the band that I talked about, Tutoring. Um, but so I missed a lot of that. But we know, like, all the same people, including and like he played with kickstart the sun and i also played shows with kickstart the sun before i was in their band so kickstart the sun's good you should check yeah. it out uh, Very good. yeah i think that's all i got since i can't remember what podcast i was gonna yeah, recommend. yeah. that's that's okay <laughs> um i would like to plug the uh the novation launch pad and it is a <laughs> it's a great soundboard i've got it hooked up to my computer with a few different sounds definitely need to add a few more Thanks for that. 
too. That was easy. You know? So we've got our bases covered. I think it's just a really great time. Nice. Um, yeah, I, uh, so I'm going to plug the book The Evangelicals by Francis Fitzgerald. Uh, I will admit I have not finished the book. So it, you know, maybe it'll betray me in the end. But uh, I, I've been, like the I've been working. Uh, I've been, yeah, yeah. I've been, I've been working a job where I'm stocking shelves retail style, and the only thing that gets me through nine hours of that is audiobooks. Uh, so actually, uh, yeah, also recommend Dear Maid McCulloch's uh, Christianity: The First Three Thousand Years. I've been really getting into just like listening to audiobooks of just like long religious history is fun. So, so that uh, McCulloch's book's really good. Um, the Evangelicals by Fitzgerald, though, uh, I'll just go ahead and say is going to be the inspiration for probably some future content on this this podcast tangel- tangentially. Because, like, I, I think half the reason I wanted to do this movie is I was thinking about this shit a lot because of this book. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I'm probably going to drag Jared into an episode about the Scopes Monkey trial at some Woo! point because nice. of this book. I thought so. I thought that trial ended completely <laughs> differently than it did when I went to church growing up. Oh, yeah. I remembered my podcast. Can I plug it now? This, yeah. Oh, is it Behind the Bastards? No, but that's a good one, too, if you haven't listened to it, especially their episodes about evangelical thought figures of the la- of the 20th century. But no, it's called You Have Permission. It's along. It's because it's along the same lines of what we've been talking about. It's by a guy named Dan Koch, um, and he basically oh, yeah, he basically just talks about issues with Christianity, um, but presents, uh, I guess, like newer or, in my opinion, better ways of thinking about them outside of evangelicalism. Being like, hey, you were told this by people who might have even been trying to do the best they could, but here's ways like many other people think about them and it's all very discussion based and very good mm. and you can leave it thinking what you want and it's been very helpful for me over the last year or so as i'm like hey i think this evangelical thing kind of sucks but i don't think all of christianity does so yeah well i guess that's it i think i'd we also did it. like jared you introduced this i'd also like to plug the sport of baseball it's perfect um mm. never let it die oh yeah <laughs> Uh, Jared, you introduced the show. Why don't you close out the show? All right. Well, thank you for listening today to Very Legal, Very Cool, a podcast where we learn what Nate's, uh, whether Nate was a length or a girth guy. It turns out he's a length guy. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Our music is uh, Garage Band Loop by Struck a Drum Beat Behind. You can find us at Twitter at Is Nate more of a length guy or a girth guy? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Nate, care to contribute? Length. <laughs> all right, all right. I'm going to, you know, have that faded Mr. out. Mr. Slim so Jim. You, you won't hear that in the episode, but I'll take uh, that and put it at the very end. For people who listen to the end of the music, you'll actually hear the answer to that question. Perfect. <laughs> there we go. This episode of Very Legal, Very Cool is sponsored by Your Persecution Complex. Um, we feel that, yes, you're right. Everyone is against you. And no, there's hardly anything you can do about it. So, 
Go get your friends who will listen to you, hang out in a group. Make sure they know, as well as you, that everyone is against you guys, and there's nothing you can do about it except for pine for uh, imbalanced juries and, I don't know, complain, maybe pray, and maybe you'll get out of it. But just so you know, we believe in your persecution complex, and we're against you as well. This is very legal, very cool. <laughs> I don't know if that's good or not, but... <laughs>